Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it with, you made it with, you made it with. What, what is happening, weirdos? This is a, uh, a great episode. Me and Kumail Nanjiani, the first guest ever on You Made It Weird, came back just this afternoon. We just recorded, and uh, I'm recording this intro same day. We don't normally do this. It's coming out tomorrow. We recorded it today, and you're getting it hot and fresh. Hotandfresh.net. Uh, the only thing I want to plug for this episode is our hour specials. Kumail and I are both taping our one-hour Comedy Central specials uh, in Austin. Mine is on October 23rd, and Kumail is taping his on October 24th. Please come out the Moody Theater in Austin to get free tickets. Theblacklistnyc.com slash Kumail for Kumail, and theblacklistnyc.com slash Pete H. Apparently there was more than one Pete Pete H. to get free tickets. The rest of my tour dates are on uh, PeteHolmes.com. Uh, the rest of the stuff you can buy or whatever you want to do to support the show, you made it weird.com. Uh, and the sponsor, I'm assuming, I'm just guessing, is Amazon. It usually is. If you want to go to nerdist.com to this episode's description, click on the Amazon banner and then buy whatever you were going to buy anyway on Amazon, but through our site, that goes directly to the show to support the show. This is a great episode. So, so happy that we did it, and I'm just going to get to it. Please enjoy. Thank you so much, weirdos. Thanks for coming out to shows. Thanks for continuing to come out to shows. Hope to see you at Kumail's taping and, and at my taping in Austin uh, at the end of this month. All right, that's it. Get into it. Enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> I smell spicy? Yeah. I got you these. Oh, my God. I know you love them. Yeah, I do. Do- I love them. Dr. Brand Fresh Picks. Yeah, if anybody a Dr. Brand... What is it? Brush picks wants to send us a case of fucking Dr. Brand brush picks. It's They're hard. really good. It's not easy to say, but it's great for your uh, guys. I remember we were out at a party somewhere and you were using them. Oh, no, it was at your house. I thought it, I have a lot of stories about Dr. Brand brush picks. Well, <laughs> well, I just I know just know my story with it, Pete, because you, you gave it that? to me. Well, I was just at home at your house. We were watching movies or whatever, and you gave you were using this. I was like, what's this? Let me try it, and I tried it. And it was like the best physical feel, new physical yeah. feeling. <laughs> it was like a great new physical feeling. Yes, like you it's know, like it's like that John. It's something. like that John Mulaney joke where you're like, you think you know how most things feel, and right. then something new happens. I don't know that bit. It's about getting a finger up your butt. <laughs> I wish that worked for me. Yeah, uh, I've never, I've never had a finger completely in the butt. It's not, oh, there I am. Uh, not with a doctor or anything? With a doctor, I have. Yeah, most recent, recently, actually. Have you had that? You're older no. than I am. Ooh, I you're am. late, because he well, was like, you're late. He Pete, said that to me. I'll tell you this. Tell I me. went to the doctor, found out I had high cholesterol. I dealt with it by not going to that doctor again. <laughs> it's real bad. That's a Bill Cosby bit, because if you don't go, you can't have it. Right? If nobody tells you, you have it. My family is like, uh, the wife. worst. Like we're, we, we're great mental health, no depression, but it's all because we all die at 40 of <laughs> Ma- massive heart attacks. Like I think my, my my grandmother, skinny grandmother, died in her late thirties of a heart attack. Like yeah, Whoa. which never happens. Whoa! And the doctor must have been like, she looks like she died three weeks ago because these heart attacks are like intense. Like there's no coming Wait, back. Wait, the Nanjiani heart attack? Is this a brand of heart attack for you to be afraid of? Yeah, you have high cholesterol. 
Yeah. Why not eat some Honey Nut Cheerios or something? My dad, Isn't like in his do? mid-20s, got diagnosed with high blood pressure. Did he diagnose himself? No. Isn't he a doctor? He is. People probably thought I was just being racist. My whole life. I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah. let, you, I'll let you guys know when I'm being racist. My dad <laughs> is a stereotypical doctor. Mm-hmm. Although he's a psychiatrist, so that's slightly different. And a disappointed one. Less, <laughs> slightly, but you know, he's learned to roll with the punches. I mean, there's so many at some point. He just turned so many times around with those punches coming in. He never ending know, punches. He doesn't know which way is forward anymore, so it's fine. He's like, should I be disappointed with this or like excited about it? He doesn't know anymore. He mixes it up. Yeah. He he's he's improvising. Yeah. He's calling an audible every like, time you give him news. Yeah. You're like, yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> Either it's way. Completely, yeah. What's, he has to like play both angles. But he, I, did, and I thought he was just a regular. I thought he was an MD. He was, and then he went back to sort of. He went back to school when I was like a teen, and became a psychiatrist because in Pakistan psychiatry is not huge. So he became like the heart, the soft science. He's <laughs> it's not, <laughs> it, that's psychology, uh, is it? Oh, my Wait. dad's like hardcore, like uh, drugs people who are. Oh, uh, what did I say? Psychology, psychiatry. That's well, the psychology. Don't do psychology. Is like let's talk about it. Psychiatry is like. Take this. And nobody wants it to be called a soft science either. I know that's a I'm sure psychiatry might be a soft science. I've actually been reading about it a bunch because I had such like weird... Because I've been thinking about Scientology, you know? Because of the master? Because of the master. Did that... Can I... Did it make you at all want to be like audited? I feel like the... Look, I'm not... I'm a very spiritually interested person, but Scientology has never been something that I'm like, maybe them... Probably because, I don't know, too new? I don't know. Always seemed a little too Certainly too new. I saw the Book of Mormon, and that's from like 1823, and you're like, "Mm, too new. (laughs) Like, you're crazy. Your stories are not any crazier than other religions, (laughs) but at least our religions are thousands of years old. My favorite, uh, well, yeah. I mean, you got to put them up against each other. There's something in the Book of Mormon about... uh, Israelites traveling from Israel to America in in basically like a NyQuil caplet. You know what I mean? So that's pretty crazy. Then you have to put that against the Ark or or Jonah and the Whale. Sure. Giant NyQuil caplet just seems like kind of like a new interpretation. It's just new. So do you think you're more likely to get interested in Scientology because of that movie? Because I'm putting myself at a definite yes. A movie that's like... Mocking it and tearing it down. I'm like, oh, that looks like fun. Hey, Kumail, don't blink. No. Did I'm, you ever fuck your cousin? Uh, well, don't okay. blink. Don't blink. <laughs> no. Do you hang out at bus stations for? I oh. would have. Oh wait. <laughs> Am I still? Which question? <laughs> How many have? answers does each question <laughs> require? Just one. Just one. <laughs> All right. And no blinking. No. Wouldn't you want that done? I can't think of the questions fast I, enough. I would want it done because it's clearly... I mean, listen. It's all, self-serving. All these cults, whatever they are, uh, and I don't buy into any of it, obviously, they clearly uh, tap into some sort of actual psychiatric emotional thing. Well, that's why the... That is based on a real thing. The hypnosis thing is undeniable. That's, that's what makes it so fun is it actually does work. Like, you'll have a vivid experience of someone experienced uh, hypnotizers. Yeah, I mean, I don't know specifically about hypnosis. I mean, I just don't know. But like that thing where you were doing the rapid fire questions, clearly that is something that's real, you know. And it feels like love, I bet. I have to imagine it feels like love. Because it feels vulnerable and open. Being seen. That's why you watch uh, Sherlock. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I, I was it you? No, Joe Mandy turned me on to it. Well, I was just thinking about Sherlock on the way over. So good, huh? It's so good. Except the second episode of both seasons. Both seasons. What happened? Well, I think they just. I mean, you know, they're making like three amazing movies. I know, but then like one of them months. is eh, one of them is real bad. I they, there are a lot of big buys in that movie. Like uh, the second season, for, uh, it doesn't matter. We could talk about that. I feel like we're just hanging out. Yeah, I kind of forgot about the podcast <laughs> element. Uh, what was I saying? Oh, so Sherlock is the type of attention. That I'm looking for. It, it kind of disturbs me. Scientology and Sherlock Holmes have that in common. Whereas I want someone to look at me and I want them to look at my face and look at the bag under my eyes and be like, oh, you have a drinking problem. And like, uh, you, you know what I mean? Just like sure. see you, clearly see you without you having to offer anything. That's like the love of a god, basically. There was there's this uh, HBO documentary. I forget what it's called, but it's about this artist. And she does this thing where you just go. It's, it's an art installation. She's this older lady. And she just quietly looks at you. I've heard of that for too. a certain amount of time. And people have some people are like whatever, Break but some people like yeah, start crying and stuff. Yeah, it's so rare to really like look at a person. You're, yeah, I know it's a little weird for us to be looking at each other right now. Isn't it's it? also that thing of like I'm like oh Pete has bags in the room. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> but don't you? I mean, like you want to be like imagine if I could be like well, what can I tell by looking at you? You're physically fit. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> That's a good one. You shaved this morning. Last night. Okay. Yeah. Let's see if I was I better at this. I need a haircut. You need yeah. a haircut and yeah. you have your special coming up. I know. I got to get my special you pluck haircut. your unibrow? Yeah. If I was Sherlock Holmes, I would know that not because I've been your friend for a decade. That was... <laughs> Really? You would, yeah, I would just be oh. like, oh, the, the slightly uneven angular, <laughs> clearly a vain person. Yeah. And then I would know that you were some type of a performer or whatever. Yeah. And then I would, I can't figure much out. But you're wearing a, a children's t-shirt, which I'm guilty of too. <laughs> you're wearing a t-shirt that like, you're, so, you're clinging to your youth, so you probably uh, don't want to die. I don't, oh, I hate. You're afraid of death. You know what? Since I was a little kid, I've been afraid of getting old. Since I was a little kid, I've had this problem. A lot of little kids wanted to be grown up so they could have, like, not be in school whatever right <laughs> i hated school but since i was a little kid i've been afraid of getting old and it's been a fear and it's still like i had one white hair right in the front of my head oh, and God. like when i pulled it out it felt like i was pulling it out of my soul you know like oh, it, no. it hurt yeah i haven't gotten my first gray hair yet well, my hair is really dark so i know it's like you're obvious. gonna see it right away yeah I mean, I had a fear of losing my hair. I was so terrified of... of, Oh, yeah. Didn't you tell me that you, like, really, really prematurely were terrified that you were going to go bald? I was, yeah. I mean... Way too early. Yeah. Like, at the age of 14 and whatever. And I started using... I I started using Rogaine on my own. When you were... When I was probably, like, 14 or 15. And I I had a full head of hair. I still do. (laughs) And then the weird things were happening on my skull, like things were turning white and stuff. And I was like, I don't know what's happening. And I didn't tell anybody. And then I went to the doctor with my dad, and he was like, what are you doing? Are you using Rogaine is the question. I I was like, yeah, I'm using Rogaine. He's like, that's idiotic. Don't use Rogaine. You're 14. Who sold it to you? My dad had it, so I was just secretly using his. Uh, It's like most people broke in their dad's liquor cabinet. You wanted his Damoxidil. Yeah, I wanted that. Minoxidil. Minoxidil. (laughs) Damoxidil is the Simpsons version. Is it? (laughs) Yeah. That's a scary thing. I remember the first time, uh, it was right after my divorce, and I was in my, remember my weird old apartment? It's so fun hanging out with you. Remember my sad apartment with, I had the the Guitar Hero guitars on the wall with Matt McCarthy. Oh. And then later Chris. Yeah. Oh my God. That was like a boy house. It was such a boy house. I can't believe I lived there. I actually had a girlfriend uh, out here who, when I still had that place, 
came and visited me there and was like, I can't believe you live here. It was a terrible place. Once you start living like a human being, it's hard to go back. Although you Once were you living start- like a human being. Where? With your wife back. My wife. Is she alive? Right? I mean, kind of. Yeah, we lived in Park Slope. We had like yeah. a nice place in Park Slope. Did you see you saw that place? Did you? No, I saw the one in Chicago, obviously. Ooh. That was a good place. It is. I just did the Lincoln Lodge. How was it? I didn't want... That's a short <laughs> walk to where I used to live with my That's ex. right. Berendo? Berto. Berto. Close. Yeah. For, 4209 North Levitt, actually. If anybody okay, wants to Levitt go, and Berto. If you want to go on the Pete Holmes grief tour. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, I've walked by it a couple times, and I've wanted to buzz. How weird would it be if a fan of the show lives in that apartment? Yeah. Ah! Uh, I, I've wanted to buzz it before, but the urge is, is fading. I don't have that need as much anymore well, to like go... Here's the, here's the thing that I actually have been thinking about a lot recently because I wrote that script that's about a very personal thing is like there are certain Can we parts, talk about that? Sure. There are parts of your life that are like traumatic to you and hence very powerful and yeah. these important stories to you and then part of going to therapy or part of getting over it is sort of diminishing the power of those stories which is good because you move on but it's also sad in that yeah. these stories that were once so important to you and such a part of you like you squelch a real drama like the, a real thing happened yeah they're like black and white faded uh, versions of themselves right. and it's, it's like it's, eternal sunshine and you start erasing them and, and, and uh, minimizing them and making it less less meaningful but it was I mean but that's part of what moving on is but it's also really sad like you know I had I have the story of well, it's not. I, I don't know if we talked about this. My my grandfather and I always like didn't get along. We hated each other. You right. Know? He was a sort of. I don't want to say this, but you know, since I was a little kid, he was always very mean to me, and he lived with me, and uh, uh, always, 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 like he would call me a thief and stuff in front of the whole family and street rat, riff rat. Yeah, <laughs> I had that's that, an that Aladdin song. reference. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> yeah. genuflect, show some respect. <laughs> I was like, someday I'll be Prince Ali Ababwa. <laughs> Ali Ababwa. That was a great Genesis game. Yeah. Oh, great Genesis game. You throw game. the apples? Oh, one of the highlights of the Genesis. <laughs> I think that was the peak. <laughs> it and, might have been. Uh, God of War 3 is the peak of the PlayStation 2. Sure, and then, and, then, and Aladdin was the God of War Part 3. Part of it was the music is so good. Really it's good. in the game. And it was cell animated. Yeah. You know what I mean? It looked so good. It looked great. But so, <laughs> so I was in the U.S. when my grandfather passed away, and then I felt it. In, Is that in, the end of him being mean? He called you riffraff, street rat. He was very. He would yell at my mom all the time. This he, is okay. Go, yeah. He would yell at my mom all the time. He would yell at me all the time. He was just really mean. He Booz, uh, boozy. No, not boozy. But it's. It's an interesting – well, I, I don't want to say the specific of that part of it, but he, he was in the army, so I think he was used to having people his own way or whatever. And he, True. I mean, my dad, uh, the grandmother who passed away, my dad was a kid, and he always sort of blamed my grandfather for that because uh-huh. of her. There was one time there was a – her friend wrote a story in the newspaper about, like, emotional abuse, and it was clearly based on them. Oh. And my grandfather, like, read it and found out. Anyway, so it was always really bad, really bad. And so then when he passed away, I felt this immense amount of guilt that we never made up, you know? 
Really? Oh, I didn't. Th- I thought you were going to say I felt a great amount of relief. No, or I just felt like this really bad guilt that like we never made up. And it's a person I know really, really well. You know, right. I mean, I grew up with this guy. He lived with us every day of my life. I saw him. And then one day he's just gone, and I'm in How do he, Iowa. Is he? Is this go back to the high cholesterol? Blood, he was just, heart, heart o- you know, probably in his 80s, and he just died of pneumonia. Like he was old, you know, he'd had a heart problems and stuff, and yeah. he had, he'd had a lot of problems. But uh, so, so I was really like torn up over it for a long time, and then I had this dream that really fucked me. This dream where he like came to me in my dream. This is you talking. Yeah. Well, I'll, this you sound like me. He came to me in my dream, and we talked about it, and then everything was, uh, we like sort of made peace, and then he went away, and then I stopped feeling guilty about it. Can it well, so the Nanjiani interpretation of that, first of all, I can't believe you never told me that. That's so up my alley. Yeah. <laughs> I say... It's like, did you hire a writer to write an anecdote, <laughs> like to do panel on this I show? I just really got into organic stuff recently. <laughs> tell me, tell, tell me what you, okay... This was my interpretation of it. Can I guess? Yeah, you can guess. I'm sure you're right. Your need for reconciliation was so great that you fabricated it. That some part of my brain, subconscious, realized this needed to be done and then took care of it like the wolf, you know? Like the wolf? In, oh, uh, yeah. At 7 a.m. cocktail party, the wolf? Yeah. Harvey Keitel? Yeah, Harvey Keitel. <laughs> That's what it felt like. like. Which is like really fascinating. In a little bit, it kind of fucked me. It kind of scared me. Because it was like, oh my god, my grandfather's ghost visited me. Yeah, and, uh, I, th- you know, Do you remember where where it was? It wasn't like uh, I remember it was a nondescript room. Like it could have been like, oh, we're meeting in heaven or yeah. whatever. Like yeah, it was yeah, a dark yeah. room, just two wooden chairs, just me and him. And um, it almost was. I don't even know if we actually had a conversation or if my brain just implanted the memory of the conversation in my uh-huh. head. Because I don't really remember the specifics. I could see it. And I feel the feeling of it when I think about it. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like sort of the sadness, uh, but but I don't remember the specifics. But that's what I mean is that now that part of my life, just now that I've dealt with it, it's just not as urgent to me anymore, you know? Yeah. Because you've kind of, you, you dulled the colors on that memory. Yeah. But your brain did it for you. Yeah. I think that's interesting when your brain has like leftovers. I, I, I have a lot of dreams. This is I, I'm a little uncomfortable sharing this, but I have dreams that I'm like uh, yelling at my uh, a family member. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like somebody that I've never fought with at yeah. all, and I don't feel like I have any animosity towards them. And then I'll have like an epically visual, uh, very vivid dream of me just re- either kicking the shit out of them, not not like blood and death or anything, but just kind of like wrestling. You know what I mean? And I woke up and I was like, "What is that?" I think I've said this on the show before, too. I wake up, and if I dreamt about my ex-wife, I'm like, fuck, come on. You yeah. know what I mean? Because you want it to be done. Yeah, you want it to be done. I also have these dreams. I used to have this dream when I was a kid. Like, I love my brother so much. I would always have these dreams where I, I would, like, uh, really harm him. Like, rip his arm off or something. Oh, God. And I remember this one specifically. Like, I ripped his arm off and feeling really horrible about it. And then there's that moment where you're like, I think this is just a dream. It's going to be okay. But actually, I was... <laughs> my whole life, I've been... I'm a nice guy. I'm not, you know, mean or whatever, but I have the capacity to be mean to people I love, which it, it never really made sense to me. But the only time I really get angry is around people I really love. Well, that's, something, that's very similar to me, you and Emily. Like when I hang out with you guys, you get to see the purest cut of asshole of me. Yeah. Like you're the only friend. Sure. So when we hang out, it's atrocious. Yeah. No. It's like, <laughs> but not, not atrocious in a bad way, but atrocious in a fun way. It's atrocious in a fun way. And I was talking about what I say. 
Like, yeah. it, no, like, I know what you, you and mean. I will often pass the time. That's one of the reasons why we'll never run out of things to talk about is we can just bring something or somebody up and just kind of like say things you're not supposed to say. Say negative things about Say them. negative, gross things. It's not that you, that's how you think. It's just no. fun. Like uh, That actually reminds me. Just write this down and sure. I'll bring it up later. Something you said about career stuff that I want to bring up that you said to me right sure. a few years ago. I'd love – yeah, I love that. I like um, – Somebody got. I had to move the schedule around to to get you in today because I wanted uh, you to come in. We're both taping our hours, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll mention that at the beginning of the episode. Back to so. back, back to back. It's I'm going to awesome. be at yours. Isn't that going to be great? And I'm coming to yours too. Yeah, I kind of like that. In I, early to see yours. I like that I get to watch uh, yours first because sometimes you forget what it's like to be at a TV taping and to, no, and to watch someone. I think else's. yours is first, right? Oh, is, is yours on Wednesday? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then I'll watch whoever's on Monday. Ellen yeah. Benjamin, maybe? I think it's Ellen, yeah. I just want to go and see the set a little bit, feel it in. Yeah. <laughs> Soak it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, no, I want to... Uh, that's why I come in early, because it's also cool that it gets to be you, you know. That I know. Be, yeah. It worked out really well. Well, I was just telling somebody in Chicago, I was like the second, and I know I said this, you were the first guest on the podcast, so... People have probably forgotten some of the things we talked about. But when I went, night one, I met Robert Buscemi at the Lion's Den. And night two, I met you at yeah. the Cubby Bear. I remember. And Which is it was, insane. It was right. Well, I, I remember. I think we talked about this last time. I thought it was so funny. Was I just like gotten dumped by this girl that I was like really, really into. Oh, that's, I wrote that down. Look, like, eternal breakup. And she was going to move. Yeah. Well, her name was like Lanolin or something. <laughs> yeah. Her name was. You always said Lanolin. The name is Aaron. It's a pretty common name. <laughs> Aaron, yeah. Did, didn't you date another girl that sounded elvish? Yeah. Okay, that's who yeah. I'm... What, yeah. what name was Her that? Her name was Laurelin, but Laurelin. this was not that one. Okay. Lanolin, <laughs> or Aaron, we just broke it up, and she was, we were about to, she was about to move to Chicago. Yes. And uh, you said that your wife at the time told you, like, oh, yeah, a lot of girls get, like, cold feet right when there's a big decision happening. And I was like, oh, okay, and then they come around, and you were like, no, they usually don't come around. Wait, they, Say that again. You said you told me your wife was uh, Becca. You told Becca that I just <laughs> her got name dumped. has never come out on. The oh, podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's Is that okay. bad? Who cares? Uh, she has no web presence. Go ahead, Google it. Um, <laughs> it. <laughs> You've certainly gotten over <laughs> it. But she, you told her that I got dumped uh, just before she's going to move and live with me. And Beck, you said Becca told you she was like, "Oh yeah, lots of women get cold feet right before big decisions like wedding or move and whatever." Uh-huh. And I was like, "Oh okay," and then they're like. Come yeah. terms with it and uh, come back. And she was like, "No, usually they don't come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, usually the right decision." Yeah. Well, it's true. I, I for, you know I forgot about that pressure when you're in a relationship and you think it n- might not be right. You forget the pressure of like trips, upcoming trips are huge stressors. Moving. How many people do you know? I know several. I can think of several currently that like might be moving in together or did move in together because one of their leases ran out. Yeah. Like uh, I've had girlfriends that we almost moved in together because it was like, well, your apartment sucks oh, and yeah. my apartment isn't. We could together. I mean, there are artific- a one bedroom. Relationships progress for artificial reasons all the time. Stupid you know? reasons. <laughs> going yeah. going to a wedding too is a big elevator. Yeah. Like, together. Yeah. Like seeing oh, totally. people exchanging vows. That's like... Uh, you Watching know. the wrong movie could be like, oh... Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We watched Love Actually and then got married That's and that so was fun. the wrong thing to do. Finish telling me what you were telling me about Lorlin or, or were you done? Because I was going to ask you, which one was it that Eternal Sunshine made you cry so hard? Oh, it must have been Aaron. Not Lorlin. <laughs> no, Lorlin was not as... We never were as serious. Because you and I saw Eternal Sunshine together... 
Uh, it was one of those weird times that as I get older, it'll just become more sepia toned and like we're all playing stickball. Yeah. Like, uh, doing the, doing the yeah. Chicago Open. We're Mike. playing Frisbee, but like just two feet away from each other. <laughs> <laughs> but you remember this used to happen in Chicago. I just went and saw the movie Comedian and like, did, were you there? I don't know if I was there with Josh Cheney. I know because that's the thing is at the end of the movie we stood up and the whole theater was just like all the comedians in town. Yeah, and then when I went and saw Eternal Sunshine, we would run into. This was in Lincoln Square. We would run into people, and I think I ran into you, and you were really, you you looked fucked up. Yeah, it really got me. That's still one of my favorite movies because I think it really gets. There's a really I think important thing about relationships that Hollywood movies never portray, where I think. Just because a relationship ends doesn't mean it failed. Some relationships, I think, are only meant to last a certain amount of time. And you can spend two years with a woman and have it be wonderful. And then when it ends, that's not a failure of the relationship. You guys right. got stuff out of each other and then you move on. It wasn't all or nothing. Yeah, it's not all or nothing. And that movie understands that. And it's about people who can't accept that. And so keep erasing, going back to each other right. and having that same relationship. Well, I think you told me... I remember you told me that there was a you read an early script of it or something. Yeah, and it ends with them in the future. They're both old, and it, they implicate they meet each other for the first time. And the implication is that they've had this exact Procedure. relationship for you know like thirty times. Or yeah, but I mean, it, it's I guess it's a trite thing, but to, the love and lost sort of thing, it can be. Uh is much more beautifully put in that movie. It's so good. I, I mean, that part you you quoted where she, she's like, we're going to hate each other and f- break up and whatever. And he's like, okay. Yeah. It's great. Cause it's so sad. That really, but it really captures something beautiful where it's like yeah. all that heartbreak and stuff. That is something yeah. very valid. You know? And, and th- that's what we're talking about. This is, this is a, a theory I've been trying to employ in my own life. When you're talking about dulling those memories and going back and scrubbing them a little bit, what's fucking... <laughs> upsetting and true and you've been with me literally every step of the way you get divorced and then I was just like well I'm going to go back into the memories and I'm going to scrub them I'm going to like remove little we had nice times I don't really remember them isn't that kind of fucked up see that there's a sadness to not being sad anymore also yeah well it's surgical yeah. I want to get the tumor, but I'm taking some of the healthy tissue with me. You have to. I have to to get to make sure I get it. It's like ripping off. It literally is like ripping off like two pieces of tape where like yeah. bits like are on each other. Yeah, and nothing will ever be the same. But I mean, when I look back on that relationship, I, I don't have any specific memories anymore, and that's just like a survival instinct. But it's tragic. I think the, the lesson of Eternal Sunshine and what you're saying is that just because it ends doesn't mean you can't be like that was fucking great. I think I've been better about that since then. Because I've had a, 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 not a good number, but a decent number of relationships. I've been like, that part of that relationship was fucking awesome. And I, I sometimes miss it. Oh, here's a weird one. The Frankensteining thing. I, you, you're famously married. You, you and Emily come up famously <laughs> on this show. Famously married. You come up all the time. And you're always sitting right behind your shoulder. Oh, there's and I'm always picture. referencing you guys. But like, what, what troubles me is like, in relationships in general trouble me. I'm right now in a place where I'm just like, I don't fucking know what is going to happen with me. Like, I feel kind of like a little bit un- ungettable, a little bit unlovable in this sort of weird way. Don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of myself, and you know that. But, uh, <laughs> but like, it's, it's not like, oh, who could let There me? was no danger of me. <laughs> <laughs> it just, what, what's worse is you marry the first person, and this has come up on the show before, you, you marry the first person you have sex with, and then that has this own kind of stupid saccharine purity. Oh, yeah. Or... 
You start dating other people, which is what I did after my divorce. And then what you do uh, is you start Frankensteining. You go, I wish they had the sense of humor of this one and the and literally the hair of this one. And, oh, yeah. And, oh, I wish they were tall like this one or shorter like that one. And, and then you're just like, we have friends. Of course, we won't mention them, but just friends that just like will never find the right person because there is no right person. You've just made this like anomaly and you're just going to die alone playing this never winnable game like yeah. golf. I mean, it's such a hard thing. You just have to find somebody that I think makes you better and you make them better and you're both sort of get something out of it. You get more out of it than you put into it, you know? Yeah. So, oh, that's a, that's a great way to put it. Because I see so many people who are like working so hard in their relationships all the time and I'm like, what are you, yeah. what, is it worth it? Yeah. If your relationship should not be a source of stress, obviously there's periods where stuff happens and it's hard and you have fights. But overall, it should not be a source of stretch. It should be a source of strength. Yeah, it should be your safe space. It should be your safe space. I've been thinking about self-love, too, and, uh, and also that element of it. Like, we're talking about uh, me wanting Sherlock Holmes to see me, me wanting a god to see me, me wanting a th- my therapist to see me, me wanting the fans to see me in the audience that night to see me. All that stuff is like, please, someone, somebody get this, somebody love this, somebody <laughs> affirm this. And then, this is going to sound weird, but I'd really like to hear your take on it. As someone who I see... As being in like a, just the relationship that would all, as I told Emily, like defend and go to war for, uh, you you must have a good amount of self love in the sense. This is what I this is what I want to tell you is that like I realized I kind of had a nice little epiphany where I was realizing I was very needy, especially when it comes to like going out with a girl or something. I'm like, oh, I hope she likes me so much. Then I was like, I know me so much better than anyone will ever know me, and and no, no one will even come close to how well I know me. I know those weird thoughts when you have to get up for an early flight and you get up at four in the morning. I know those fucking I, – I know those dreams that I'm talking about where, they, where I kick the shit out of my brother for no reason. You know, I love my brother. I, I, I don't yeah. even think that's a real dream. I'm just saying you have some violent dreams. I have negative thoughts. I have ugly thoughts. We have the conversations that you and I have. And then I'm like at the end of the fucking day though, I love myself. I really do. I know that sounds – you're not like supposed to say that. But I think there's a healthy way to be like, I know all my bullshit and I, and I still love yeah. me. And then, and then I'm like, why can't I just – why can't that be enough? I have conversations with myself where the character of me is talking to me and he's like, why isn't it enough? I love you. I think you're great. Why, why do you need someone else to think you're well, great? Well, so much of the way we see ourselves is based on how other people see us. You know, it, that's, that's such a big part of how you def- define yourself is how other people see you. That's why, like, you dress a certain way. Yeah. And, and it makes you feel a certain way. And people look at you a certain way. And, and it's so, like, inexorably linked to who you are is how other people see you there's that thing like I remember I switched high schools and I was like oh now I'm a completely different person you can be another guy I could be whatever I want and then you can sustain that for two weeks you walk differently and then everybody fucking sees you who you are and you're like no I'm the same guy yeah so so you sort of try and base yourself on who but it's also like you were saying you you know yourself really well I feel like I know myself really well but then I also find certain things like for instance Emily said this to me recently and she's so, like, good at this stuff, and she's known it for so long, she doesn't say it. I was saying how, you know, like, I'll get mean to people I really love. So I'll say something to Emily that I know I don't mean that I just do to be an asshole. You yeah. Know? Like, I know, I know. Do you it, have an example? Um, she might not want you to say, but. No, I don't know a specific example that it would make me look like such a dick. It doesn't happen all the time, but I can do it to my mom, my dad, my brother, and Emily, you know. I'll say something so mean, and she says, all you're doing is you're saying something shitty so that you can feel guilty about it and beat yourself up over it. And I was like, 
That's exactly right. But you enjoy the guilt and the catharsis of it. I think because of the religion I was raised in, guilt is such a big part of it, to a point that I didn't even realize. Yeah. I mean, it's all based on reward and punishment. Mostly punishment, not even reward. Yeah. It, to me, Islam was always about oh, trying God. to avoid punishment. And that punishment is that thing. Of, I still, the way, like, if I do an amount of writing, then I can play a certain amount of video games. You know, it's all, like, based on the same system yeah. that Islam is based on. My whole life is based on that system yeah, still. Yeah. Like, that blueprint is there. So that's what this is. Is This is, like, if I'm shitty, I get, I get punishment, and I can punish myself for it. And, and that feels good. It doesn't feel good, but it feels... Familiar? I don't... I can't even say it. I just... I think guilt is like... I bring guilt on myself so, so much all the time. Yeah. I feel shitty if I play an extra video game, you know? Right, right, right. And if I don't, like, get enough writing one done one day, well, I feel it? guilt. See, that's the thing that comes up on the show a lot, though. This is one of your dysfunctions. I don't say that with any judgment. I, In fact, no, I, sure. I share that. So let's call that a dysfunction. But then it also seems to be empowering you in this way. Sure. You're writing more. You're playing video games less. And then also that guilt, reward, pain, pleasure system which I also share in a very real way, uh, it helps us on stage because we're like, I work better, I, I dance harder, I, I don't want to fail the crowd. Yeah, I mean, you see the people who are com- content with their lives and they're like terrible comedians. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know? true. Yeah. You want to be a little off. I mean, there's that thing you have. Yeah, I mean, I have, I Emily always says I don't like give myself enough credit when I, like for me, you know, like doing Letterman or something. When I did Letterman, it literally was the next day, all right, what's next? I didn't give myself any time to enjoy it. And I think uh-huh. that's what I told Emily. I was like, listen, I'm always going to be happy, but I don't think I'll ever be satisfied. And that's just something that is, makes me who I am. Yeah. You know, it's like not, just not having satisfaction. That's what Bronger told me that Bruce Springsteen said on some show. And maybe I've said this already, but it was the idea that when you get that gold album, you love Bruce Springsteen. When you oh, get yeah. that platinum album, uh, go get an ice cream cone. Like you got to take That's a moment great. to be like, remember that ice cream cone? Because we are those types of people. Like, yeah. we think, like we, you just did mashup as well, right? Uh, I did the, f- you did the first uh, one. Yeah, I was out of town for the rest of it. Uh, well, the mashup is coming out, and like I should, I'm not going to ha- have people watch it yeah. and, and have a fucking ice cream cone. But it's people, it's people like us that are just like it's already gone. Yeah, I did it months ago. Yeah, why well, it's, mess- it's w- disappeared? Yeah, what about now? Yeah. yeah, there's nothing. What have I done today? The bridge I, is burning behind us. The bridge is burning, but it's true, man. I feel like this career, this profession we've chosen is like. You're drowning and you're literally clutching at straws the entire time. Yeah. You can never rest. You're always just looking to the next thing, bettering yourself, getting better, doing the next thing, doing the next thing, right. doing the next thing. And that's what it is. And I don't think there's anything bad about it. it I, the way I say it, it makes it sound like desperate and negative. But it, I think it's a really, really great thing. There's a good side to addiction. I was thinking about this recently with cigarettes or caffeine or, or alcohol or anything. It's nice to become addicted to something that you can get. I'm not addicted to, like, you know, quail eggs or something different. Condor eggs. (laughs) There we go. That's a bad... I I actually looked at Katie and she was like, quail eggs? That's pretty easy. Dodo bird eggs. A dodo bird egg. I don't have a dodo bird egg addiction. I'm addicted to uh, laughs and the feeling of of succeeding and communicating and connecting. And it's not heroin. And it's not heroin. Exactly. 
And that's I, that's the appeal. People are like, I one time was going to do a bit about this, but I didn't think it was good enough. It was that idea that it was like, don't become addicted to coffee. Fucking go ahead. Yeah. It's everywhere. It's okay. Who cares? Yeah. It. I mean, it, is there any real downside to drinking coffee? I mean, probably drinking it too much can give you ulcers and call your stuff like that. Ulcer yeah. and probably like high blood pressure or something if yeah. you drink it too much. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, that's yeah. You made me think a billion things, so I, I don't know if this is a complete change of gears, but I'm interested in that idea of, of mean Kumail, right? And that and that I share that as well. Also, the guilt thing, if I may, for me, uh, and I know I've said this on the show before, but like doing something bad isn't just the thing; it's the guilt. I can I just want you to know I completely relate to that idea. When I was at, when I was younger, I would look at internet pornography <laughs> and jerk off, and that was only part of it. That was like warming up the spoon of the drug. Yeah. The injection and the, and the high was the deleting the cookies and, and praying to God and telling yeah. him how fucking sorry I was yeah. that I jerked off the dick he gave me. I mean, you sort of told me this. <laughs> yeah, I'm you, so sorry. You gave me this. <laughs> Why did you give me this amazing car yeah. if you didn't want me to drive it? I'm not going to give a monkey yeah, a like, can of whipped cream yeah. and not expect him yeah. to shoot it everywhere. Yeah. You can look at the can of whipped cream, <laughs> but don't. You that know. monkey's going to be high on nitrous and shooting whip topping all over the jungle. But the, and I'm going to love him anyway, because that's the kind of God I am. <laughs> well, see, that's the difference. Our God was not like that kind of... Our God was a vengeful God. You mean the Islam God, or are you, are you including my God as your God? Well, my God was definitely a vengeful God. Um, and I think you said... It, Sort of like it's an association thing. I think uh, Tony Robbins' book or something. You said, "Yeah, I was saying how oh, much pleasure like, and pain." Yeah, how much I love French fries, and you're like you're associating it with the two minutes that you're eating them, and not the two hours that you feel guilty. Yeah, afterwards. Oh God, I'm such an asshole. I mean, that's no, it's totally true. It's totally true. The, after I went through a big Tony Robbins phase, I would like proselytize. I would go up to people and be like, "Well, like my uh, like French fries, exactly, perfect example." And I would just be like. Temporary pleasure, it's, it's not worth it in the long run. It's like, fucking, sometimes that's okay to say, it's, and sometimes you're a dick. Well, but for me, it's something that I remember and I try and think of all the time. And it's so crazy to me to think of that French fries, the only reason they taste good is because of evolution, and we needed... High fat, high Yeah, calorie. and that's why that shitty food tastes good to us, because yeah. we didn't have a lot of food, so a little had to go a long way. If you found a steak, eat that shit now. Eat it now. Or if now. you found a cow, you can yeah. find like a butchered steak. <laughs> <laughs> find a butchered steak, uh, your religion is correct. <laughs> Whatever you're doing is right. Yeah, that is a bizarre thing that I that we used to like go days without food. I just saw that billboard that was like most people only need two thousand calories. I was just on the road. Oh you, yeah, you can eat a fruit cup. You can make it on a fruit cup. Totally. If all you have to do is an hour of stand up, Tommy Jonigan. That's what he does. He eats a fruit cup. He does his set. He eats another fruit cup, goes to bed. Like two fruit cups. Yeah, you Fine. totally can. But it's such like a reminder of like how we're animals and us in the society is us just trying to sort of escape in everything we do. Everything we do is try to like hide from that. You know, we that have a bathroom animals. so we don't shit in the open yeah. and we only have sex with one person. Yeah. And, you know, all that stuff. What's it's, the Disneyfication of things? I was just watching a rewatching the same Bukowski documentary that I always reference on the show. I know like five things. But they were talking about how Bukowski was like, he is shit and piss and cum and uh, fucking, you know what I mean? Like fucking weird old broads and rail cars and shit. He's, he's, but that's the soul. That's the human soul. It's so uncomfortable. You know, like the, the, when you take a photo and your eyes turn red and we remember that we're just fucking lizard heads. You lizard know heads, I mean? yeah. Yeah, we don't want to be lizard heads. I want to live in Walt Disney's America. I want to eat pie and I want to call women ma'am. But like, 
Who was we, I was just talking about this like oh Shane Moss because we were talking about how like uh, rape I I can feel people already offended I haven't even said anything but like that was part of our we're all here because someone raped somebody at some point on a long enough time oh, like, yeah someone raped somebody if you watch animal documentaries it's all rape it's all rape yeah nobody's asking you to the river first like okay like uh yeah <laughs> nobody's like hey you want to go get a dinner or something. <laughs> Hey, what are you doing Friday night? Yeah. I'm just going to come at midnight and rape you. Oh, that won't work? Yeah, 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 yeah. How about 8 p.m.? <laughs> I mean, cats' penises have uh, like thorn, like uh, spikes on them so yeah. that the woman doesn't get away. Oh, ducks, so she can't pull away. Ducks have corkscrew penises so that the woman doesn't pull away. Like, that's just how yeah. evolution is. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. how like rape oh, was we, a good way to keep people going, and that's what it was. And we have the the way our the tip of our dicks are is separated. And this also came up on the Shane Moss episode, I think, is to pull out uh, competitors' sperm. You, you know the ridge around your pitch black dick. Competitors' sperm. <laughs> it's pulling other people's sperm out as you're fucking. It's a two for one. Well, hopefully, I'm not pulling out too much other people's sperm because then. Em- <laughs> <laughs> what have you been doing? Oh my god, Emily. There's like- <laughs> There's like five guys sperm on my penis. <laughs> how can you tell? But I think how you, and for me, you know, it's interesting because Islam is a lot about the body versus the, the soul, which yeah, is, so is, is so two is, separate things. Yeah. I was going to say, so is regular. But to me, yeah, you know, so is default. <laughs> so is normal. <laughs> but so, I think the way, like Bukowski, uh, the way you, I always think of, the the way you transcend that is through the work that you do. I always think of like Michelangelo while he's painting the Sistine Chapel has to take a shit break. You yeah, know? or a jerk off break. Some of those yeah. bosoms look real good. Yeah, I've I've done drawings in art classes, and I'm like, the second I'm done, I'm jerking it. Yeah, and I'm putting it on the palette. That's but, a clean white. But I think the things that you do are the things that sort of separate you, and I think that's why like doing like comedy or work or writing for me is so big is is my way of like trying to like leave something behind and not get old and not get dies to have something that's young and stays relevant yeah. and is, it's is something you know and that's how you get that's what uh immortality is you know that's what shakespeare is uh, people right. live on after after they die right and then people will hypothesize that i wrote most of your material yeah exactly or emily <laughs> that's or, uh, a thing <laughs> no one man could write such mm. a good heroine bit oh my god <laughs> he says heroin in it 16 times not one uh, person wrote that <laughs> emily is a fucking uh, you know this she's a treasure i texted her from the airport we were texting again horrible jokes yeah. you got in on it towards the end yeah really mean inappropriate I jokes Yours was great. Yeah. Did you get mine about the put the thousand top CDs what? and you'd be at eye level? No, I didn't. You didn't send me that. You didn't get that one? No. It was a double dig. I'll, I'll explain we what it was. Really... We were making fun of someone who's short. We were just making short jokes. Okay. That's okay, right? Sure. There are a lot of short people. <laughs> so we're making fun of a friend of ours that is short. And then I was like, that person is so short. <laughs> if you put on the wall the top 1,000 comedy CDs of all time, he'd be at eye level with, and then I shat on someone else. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, that's a twofer. That's a lot. That, you know what that is? That's old Petey Pants in the fucking airport losing my guy. I was cl- killing four and a half hours at O'Hare. This was yesterday. 
Do they have Potbelly there? They don't. Midway. Midway does. Midway has Midway's the way better airport. I, I, Less I, cancellations at I, O'Hare, though. I tweeted this once. I said two things I've learned doing stand-up is don't begrudge other people's success and never fly through O'Hare. That's so funny. When I was in O'Hare, there was a, there was a tornado evacuation. They started shuffling. You don't want to feel like an animal? That's when you feel, I know everybody makes the cattle comparison, but you don't know how many people are at an airport. Because they hide us. It's labyrinthian. So there are all these gates. And, you know, there's like, what, 75 people, 80 people at your gate? Once they have to evacuate everyone and you just see – it looked like we were going to build the pyramids. It looked like a a slave line. It looked crazy. An insane number of people are at the airport. And we were all going to a basement because that's our best idea because a tornado is coming because God was, you know, hula hooping. God was hula hooping that day. Pretty standard. He hula hoops around O'Hare a lot. Don't fly through. (laughs) I've spent the night at O'Hare a couple times. Oh, God. But that was one thing that you told me that I was going to say. You said right when I first moved to New York, which you moved to New York before me, and going to New York was like our my like, all right, let's do this for real. And you said when I you insisted know, you call me the source, remember? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> did that come up on the, the first source. one? Does that sound familiar, Katie? I don't know, but I, you did. I wanted you, you really to call helped. me the source. Well, yeah, that was, that was my payment. I was like, I'll, I'll plug. First of all, I looked good plugging you into things, but then I was like, all I ask in return is that you refer to me as the source. I mean, <laughs> you also used to do that joke about how I wish I could marry you and give you a green card, and then you'd be you'd, my genie. You'd be like freeing a genie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Forever, if I if I paid for your work visa, yeah. you would be my indebted servant. <laughs> I honestly, there are like five people that I'm like, oh, these people really helped my career, you know? Yeah. And it's you. Sure. I'll Eugene Merman. The Merman. Uh, Showalter. When I said, oh, sure, I meant you as well. I wasn't like me. Yeah. Of oh. course. Showalter. Yeah. And uh, I can't even know the other. I, I'm trying to think who it was. Michael Ian Black? Michael Ian Black and Showalter together, together. But Showalter was the one who got me that job. I didn't know Michael Ian Black. But we were then, both you know? out for it. Oh, and uh, uh, yeah. But. But you said when I first moved, I don't know, I must have said something, and you were like, the one thing you have to learn is that you cannot begrudge other people's success, even if you don't think they deserve it. And you gave me an example of a person, I won't name him, who's like pretty, he was like, I'd heard his name. I'm going to mouth it. Yeah. (laughs) You said, this guy just always rips on other people. Aziz, specifically. Uh, was it he uh, was, was talking about Aziz? Aziz? Well, this yeah. has come up on the show before. That I, I noticed the phenomenon, and I partook in the phenomenon at first because Aziz was like 19 and yeah. on the cover of Rolling Stone somehow. You, and, and you're like, fuck this guy. So I would join that party, and then I realized, go on. And you, you said that it like ate this person up from the inside. Oh, yeah. Just being like negative about this uh, person, and that's a real... That's something I actively think of all the time because there are clearly people I see who are being very successful and you're like, I deserve that. Well, then go get it. It's right. not about them not deserving it. It's about you trying to go get it. And that's, right. like the, that's like a big problem in L.A. Yeah. It's a huge problem. Well, the status awareness in L.A. is, is through the roof. People seem to be much more aware of where they are, what they got, and what they didn't get the, because your fucking neighbor is on that show that you wanted to be on. The w- way people talk to you is so different based on like – how they see you or how, what they yeah. think you've done. Yeah. And, you know, based on your IMDb, it's fucking so true. Yeah. I mean, it's not true for everyone. Well, obviously, I have really, really good friends. and But, you know, you're at I parties. feel like comedians are better. Like, I have... I'm going to put it at about a zero tolerance for that, like, L.A. douchebag. Like, where you're at some fucking... When TJ was in the hospital, I remember I went to this bar across the street with the girl that I was seeing at the time. And we had some drinks and we met these people. Just, like, just picture L.A. people. You nailed it. Don't change anything. Don't yeah. change anything. Fucking sport coat. <laughs> Just like yeah. idiots. And like sniffing around and they're all, I don't know. I Do you have this? 
I have a I have a competition in me. Like there will be blood. I have a cruelty in me towards people who purport to be talented and they're like I'm a writer, I'm an actor, I'm a musician and they're garbage because it's kind of like ruining the pool. Is there anything sadder and more tragic than that though? Can you, you know, imagine? I say this all the time to have the drive but not the talent is one yeah. I think is the saddest scenario. Yeah. It's Oh no. Yeah. Did you hear that? You don't no, have your earphones on. Yeah, no, there are people that we know and I, and we see them sometimes still that have incredible amounts of drive that just aren't doing it. But there's something there worse was, about... I was watching, this is such a funny, funny quote. Do you know Henry Phillips? He's really funny. He does like songs, he's really funny. He made this movie called Punching the Clown, or he's just the star of it. Made it on his own with like no money. It's really funny. There's a line in it where he says, I think he says, uh, he said, Einstein said, if people know how hard I work, they wouldn't think I was a genius. Oh, that's funny. And then he says, well, if people knew how little I worked, they wouldn't think I was so shitty. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a funny. <laughs> That's really. I thought you were going to say if people knew how hard comedians work, you wouldn't think we were so funny. It would just be like we were tricking them somehow, like all this calculation ahead of time. I mean, there are certainly comedians who you see that you're like, oh, you're doing math and you're good at it, but it's still math. But then there are some people who, X Factor, the X Factor. That, that's what TJ was. The reality of it, you know, the, the the core of it, finding something. Yeah, connecting. That's the thing. Like you were saying on stage, like. You go through so much life just not being engaged, you know. That's why we like the stage. It's like Oh, it, it forces you to be in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, it's another disability. It's my inability to really connect and shut off drives me to be on stage. I just did Appleton, right? I was doing a weekend in Appleton, and I told the opener, this guy named uh, Brian Miller, and I, I was like, I don't know, man. I'm just really anxious to stay. Really like a clean – Mulaney calls it free cocaine anxiety. I was – really high on free cocaine like i was just everything was wrong i was just thinking about like you know dark thoughts like louis ck's bit about like the best case scenarios you'll fall in love and then they'll die you know what i mean yeah. or you'll die i like really bad thoughts really looking at like weather and the decay of the earth just like that sounds more like depression but it felt more of an up it wasn't a down it was up yeah it was like oh no and then we're we're about to do the show and he's like well what are you gonna do and i was like i'll be fine right after the show and i was <laughs> Yeah. I did the show, and I got off, and that's when I'm completely connected. And I was going to say my dick is hard, not even to be dirty, but, like, I feel, like, fucking well, it's, solid. It's also so weird to think about that it's, like, specific chemical things happened in your brain that did that. And we are such a – like, you know, certain chemicals weren't coming out. Or they're coming out wrong, and then you do yeah. this, and then the right chemicals come out. And I've been reading this book called The Psychopath Test. I haven't finished it. The Psychopath what? Psychopath Test. And this is why I've been thinking about uh, psych- Again, I didn't the Psychopath Test. Test. There's a test that psychiatrists give you to see if you're a psychopath. Is it the one about the, your father's funeral? N- I don't know. It's like 40 questions. Oh, okay. It's a bunch of questions. Um, and uh, you realize how much you are. This is why I've been thinking about psychiatry and why I think drugs are overprescribed, psychiatric drugs, but not necessarily a bad idea. Is because your brain is a specific organ it's like a computer and when somebody's depressed you can't be like snap out of it it's a disease something's happened to their brain right psychopaths are just people who are born with a bad brain like a part of their brain is too big or too small right this is true and then they're just certain things don't align you know right and so that's why like when you go up on stage and then you feel better afterwards there's like specific things chemicals were released in your brain yeah and you're conditioned to sort of certain things give you these chemicals well this is this goes back to something that i've been feeling pretty depressed about lately or not depressed but just troubled about lately is the idea of judgment not only in society but then the idea of any deity okay judging 
uh, a human being's actions, okay? Now, I know even me, when I say that, I go right to Hitler. So can we fucking get Hitler out of this discussion, please? I just want to talk about regular people. Pol Pot? What's that? Pol Pot? Pol Pot? Do you know Pol Pot? No. He's a a horrible uh, dictator guy. (laughs) I just pictured a game where you have to pull a pot. Like in in Pakistan, they were like, you guys want to play Pol Pot? And you thought I knew what it was. No. We didn't have Pol Pot. We had Neo Geo. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the difference is you really wanted Neo Geo in your house. (laughs) You didn't want this guy. He was like a big ethnic cleansing, you know. Okay, no good. No good. Well, let's take the extreme example out because they're in the way but i was talking about like um the guy i think this came up on the show but it bears repeating the guy that uh killed all those people in the 70s in texas he went up and sharp like with a sniper rifle basically every time we talk about people like sniping for no reason we're basically referencing this guy who's this guy i forget his name okay it doesn't matter uh, he goes up and he shoots all these people. He, this would like destroy him. To be uh, like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Do you know how many people I killed? Now I have to come back. Every time I pull the trigger, I was like, they'll remember. <laughs> Each bullet had they'll remember. <laughs> yeah, on it. Oh, too real. <laughs> so he shoots all these people, and in his, and then he shoots himself. And in the note, he said, uh, "Please give me an autopsy." Uh, two months ago, I started feeling differently. And I couldn't stop. All I could think about was doing what I just did yeah, man. and killing myself. So they give him an autopsy. And in the part of his brain that controls violent impulses, empathy, all those good things that make you not a sociopath, he had a fucking like, golf ball tumor. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So this motherfucker grows a tumor. So who – okay, look. I'm not here to say we shouldn't judge a guy that shot 75 people or whatever. I know. And I'm not here to say that I can't fathom, I did for a very long time, the idea of a god sending somebody to hell or judging them for what they did. But when you look at the computer and you're like, oh, he had a virus. There was a virus. Somebody, he went to the wrong website and he downloaded the virus that makes you want to shoot people. The better example, Kumail, same guy, a different guy, same kind of thing. Guy was our age, started having uh, pedophilic uh, tendencies, wanted to diddle kids out of nowhere. He didn't act on it. He goes to the doctor for headaches. They find a tumor. They remove the tumor. The pedophilia pedophilia leaves with the tumor because it was in the part of the brain, sexuality and reason and all that sort of stuff. So it was in the part of the brain that makes you and I not pedophiles. Well, I mean, that's one of the greatest things you could be like, I'm, I'm so happy I'm not attracted to kids. That's one of my bits. Is it? Yeah. That, that's exactly true. Like, you should give thanks that who, you're not attracted to kids. Who is like, oh, yeah, I want to choose. Oh, perfect. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's in the bit. I go, what if what I was aroused by was illegal? If tomorrow they were like, MILF porn is illegal, I'd just have a weird basement with blank VHS tapes of MILF porn. Yeah. And there'd be like a book you pull to get to like, it. She's clearly just in her like early 30s. Ah, justifying it. They're just calling it MILF porn. Yeah, that's so There's funny. no way that 20-year-old kid is her son. Right. So why, why is this? <laughs> this is always the thing. Is like with milk porn. Like she's like thirty two. Yeah. Why is this grown man? He's the friend of the kid of your son. Yeah. Why is he hanging out with like a twelve year old? Yeah. That's a creepy weird thing. Milk porn, number one kind of porn. Yeah. Well, always. It's happy, it's happy isn't it interesting that. that that's been like a new thing. Like milk porn milf- is like fairly new. It just means hippie and booby. Yeah. That's. Then, I mean, it can get a little weirder, I guess. If you No, start. but just the idea of Yeah, it, no, like, I know. When we were kids, I wasn't stealing my brother's MILF porn. No. It was all like Baywatch beauties. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? It was all like Shannon Doherty takes her top off. There was no like, this bitch who's definitely had some kids takes her yeah. top off. I like saying bitch. I know it's offensive. It's fun to say that. Well, also, but the brain thing you were saying, you know Zanku Chicken? It's a local chain. 
that's the story of that. What is Zanku Chicken is a local. Oh yeah, yeah. It's really good food, but they have the secret garlic sauce. It's really good. The guy who owned it, his mom, it was his mom's recipe or something. He had a tumor in his brain. One day he got up, and it was all diagnosed. Put on a suit, tie, drove over like his sister's and mom's house, killed everyone, and then himself. And that's the story of Zanku Chicken. And a, still good chicken. He, it's that's great. their slogan. Hey, hey, still good. chicken. I mean, you're still coming, right? <laughs> It's sort of like how, like after R. Kelly had like peed on that little girl, yeah, and then the song came out like remixed to Ignition, yeah, and you were like, all right, it's still a pretty good song, yeah. It's like that Jake Johansson bet. It's such a great faves. I know Starbucks evil corporate empire still pretty good coffee. Uh, yeah, see, I don't like the Starbucks coffee, but yeah, I, you but do love Zanku chicken. I do love Zanku chicken. Put on I think, a suit and drive over and get some re- remix. <laughs> they, they, hey, embr- they just embrace it. Just a water pistol, like, hey, it's October thirty first. <laughs> Zanku chicken, don't fight the impulse. Yeah, do it. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, our founder didn't. Uh, but that's the thing. So who? Where do we put judgment? Well, you think of also Can like... Can I tell you one more thing about the pedophilia? Yeah. The guy, they remove it. He's not a pedophile, pedophile anymore. Then he starts looking at kids again. He starts going, oh. And then he goes to the doctor. It was growing it's back. It's back. And they took it out and it went away again. I mean, you think so of... So who the fuck are we... We're sending people to hell? I'm just saying we're people not. are going to hell. I know we're not. But earth hell. But people... At the very least. People are... Earth hell, certainly. And then people do say, purport... To believe that they're going to an eternal fiery damnation, and then if I say, "What about a tumor?" Then they go, "Well, that's a, that's a different case." But then I go, "What but if it's, it's some sort of series of chemicals that you can't see?" Just because you're an idiot and you can understand it, I'm an idiot too, and I can understand a tumor, but I can't understand a weird combination of chemicals. I was fucking crippling, anxious, depressed until I did a set. You know what I mean? Yeah, things are happening in our brains. But I mean, you you think of like. Emily, maybe she, I, I think she might have talked about it when she was here. She worked with like fucked up kids. There was one kid that she worked with. Uh, this was a wilderness camp for like fucked up kids. This kid was like 12, 13. He was a sexual predator. He was a fucking deviant. Emily was like, this kid is bad news, bad news, bad news. Mm-hmm. He just like would like try and rape kids with bad news. They tracked down his brother, who's like a year younger, find out like at the orphanage in Romania, or whatever, when he was like a baby, like six months, like a year old, he was sexually molested. Mm. And so because of that, now he's fucked up. First of all, amazing that your brain at that age can be like, this is wrong. Let's yeah. change some things to make this okay, you know? Right. So what your brain maybe does is it like fixes it like, okay, so this is fine to do. And then you grow up and now you're a sexual predator. Right. But it happens because you were preyed on. Right. And every, people are very quick to be like sins of the father, the way the idea that these, these things are inherited and stuff. But we're still judged. Whereas I've always, I think I've had a pretty healthy dose of the idea that I could have been molested. And again, I don't think I have to say this. We're not trying to give crime and terrible things a pass. But I am offended at harsh judgments of like, fuck you, you did that, you're gone. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, that's why I, you know, I like movies and stuff. That's why I love The Wire, by the way. Yeah. It shows, I'm just watching it now for the first time. This is the problem. I'd never watched it, and people would be like, you've never seen The Wire? And now I'm watching it, and they're like, you're only watching it for the first time. Uh, like, you can't f- win. What the fuck do you want from yeah. me? But that's a, that's a morally ambiguous show. Well, but that's it the shows the thing. cops and the drug dealers. It yes. shows both their perspectives. And you root for both of them. Kind of. Some yeah. of them you root for both of them. I mean, but I mean, I always go to Batman and the Joker. I'm rooting for both of them, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I and both of them exist in me. I just say Batman's winning. I think you just what you, I think is just that people don't. You just don't act on those impulses. You know, again, it's the body versus the right soul. You like you transcend the body. Like, okay, I want to fuck four year olds, but I'm not going to do it. And that is the moral thing to do. Right. And to still have that. You know. Yeah. 
But the one, th- I, there's this new disorder that they're trying to like get put in the DSM, which is like the book is all the disorders. It's people who, specifically soldiers who've been in war. Nintendo what? DSM? Yeah, Nintendo DSM. <laughs> it's kind of good. <laughs> These you know. games are fucked up. <laughs> they, there's this soldier, uh, goes to, uh, you go to a war and you see so much violence and carnage that you stop seeing yourself as a moral uh, force. And you just, it's the disorder that's, what happens is you don't see yourself as being able to do good or bad. Mm-hmm. You don't think you can affect things, so you just do whatever. So it's this new disorder, because there's all these kids coming back from, like, Iraq and Afghanistan who are, like, fucked up and just, like, shooting people at ATM machines for no reason. Yeah, know? yeah, because you get a glimpse into, well, that's, a, well, that's one of the troubling things. This slippery slope that we're on right now, this biblical or spiritual slip and slide, is that if I start telling you that I can find a defense for the pedophile, the non-acting pedophile. Let's That's keep a terrible simple. title for a book, by the yeah, way. Yeah, The Defense of the Pedophile. <laughs> it's a children's book. <laughs> hey, listen. Little Timmy, look at it from his perspective. He didn't want to, no. but is it better if you're asleep? Is it better? Oh, God. Oh, Jesus forever. Well, I forget what I was going to say. Oh, if I can start, if I can start getting to that place, that mental place where I see God, let's just take the idea of God as not good or evil, but just everything. That's where people start getting. We start losing our footing. Yeah. Why not shoot a guy at an ATM? Well, but here's the thing. I this was a big part of me for growing up was just because I can see why you're bad doesn't make you not bad. And I've seen like people who are assholes, and I'm like, oh, it comes from insecurity. And then earlier I used to be like, oh, it's just from insecurity. And now I'm like, no, fuck that guy. He's, he's still, still doing that thing, even if it's because he's broken. Right. Same thing with this. And I don't, I really don't think you need to be, you need God to be moral. Yeah. You no, know, that's something you and I have talked about at length. Yeah. Do you ever have? I think not having belief is a belief. I think it's just as strong. I think a belief in not God is just as strong as a belief in God. And it it can come with a set of rules and uh, ways to be similarly to how... Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Because if you, Kumail and I, and a group of strangers like the Lost Island started over, started society over... Oh, man. You know what I mean? And we were just going to be like, okay... You and we, I, we have to do open mics again? Ah! <laughs> oh, no, this is a nightmare. Uh, shouldn't, shouldn't coconuts yeah. taste like cocoa? Yeah, what's and the I deal? See, yeah. I see you with your huge palm branch cross-out yeah. co- coconuts. Oh, like, fuck. You fucking squash There's only my... so many things. <laughs> why, is there a, why is there a cubby bear on this island? <laughs> okay, I'm getting the torch. I yeah. gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, tattered oh clothes. I mean, yeah. it's... Uh, I actually do have quite a bit because I'm interested in the starting over like when I talk to Duncan Trussell and I'm just like okay let's just uh, allow us to be um, what we are which is we want to fuck a lot of people here's here's some true things we like fucking we want to fuck a lot of people I'm talking about dudes more maybe than girls I don't know yeah I can only speak for dudes I'm going to speak for dudes uh, but then, like, these, these uh, social things come in place. We don't fuck kids. That's a big one. Well, but we don't want to also. We also don't want to fuck kids. Uh, that's true. Like I said, MILFs. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be waiting for I'm, them. like, so anti-pedophilia. I only uh, watch MILFs. <laughs> that's your therapy? If I don't see a white hair, I don't get hard. Oh, if I don't see white hairs, 
Nothing white is happening. <laughs> oh, gross. Twice I've made a cum joke this show. Oh, my God. But if we did have a... Okay, you know me, and I've always said to you, I've always wanted to live on a commune. Right? Sure. And with you, like, you and Emily have your own house. And yeah, yeah, me yeah. And whoever. I don't know who the fuck's in my and house. And you and Duncan Trussell. <laughs> Astral projecting every night. <laughs> yeah. Oh, let's get into that. But okay, so we had the commune, but the first thing we would do is like, there's a generation of the commune, and then you and Emily, this is going to be weird, it's the name of the show. You and Emily have a kid. You have a daughter. She's gorgeous. And then in 16 years, fucking, I'm going to make it Duncan, not me, but dirty Duncan Trussell wants to fuck your daughter. She's not fucking Duncan Trussell. She's, she really likes him, though. Why? She, I don't know. She loves beards and, and hats. Hats. <laughs> she loves beards. She, she has a Jim Henson fetish. Hats and non-traditional ways of looking <laughs> at the world. Yes, exactly. And mescaline. And mescaline. <laughs> I don't even know what mescaline is, but I bet Duncan, it's Duncan would It's what people try it. use to wean off of heroin, right? I think that's, uh, I don't know. It's something else. It's it, not that. It's a drug. That's all. It's a drug. Know. Anyway, um, if Duncan, so we're in this free society. We started over and we're like, fuck everything. We're going to honor our mammal sides. We're going to honor our instincts and stuff. Yeah. Fuck society. We're going to smoke weed. We're going to take mushrooms. We're going to play guitar. We're going to get water from the well. We're going to do our own compost. And we're just really, really connecting. You want to talk about that girl staring at you in the art installation? Like we spend a lot of time just looking at each other. There's a lot of candles. There's beds. You just kind of swap I mean, them it around. sounds wonderful. It sounds great. There, like that's summer camp. There's no adult summer camp. So basically, the compound or the compound, the commune, in my idea, would be that. Like, let's just get that feeling of summer camp again. That's why I want to do Petey Palooza. That's why going to that uh, Joshua Tree was exactly. so awesome. That that was Petey Palooza. That's why like being sick can be great too. Where you're like, I have no pressure. I do yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's exa- I I know that exact thing. And also something that you used to say to me was when we'd both be doing a show and it would get canceled. And I said to you, I was like, I feel guilty that I'm relieved. Yeah. And he was like, no, it, it can't go bad. Like, we were back in those days where we were both bad. You yeah. know what I mean? We, oh. were, we weren't terrible. I remember going up to Lyle with you and you got one of the worst things. You were brown at a time that it was, you're still brown, but it was brown at a time that it was very uncool to be brown, 2001. Yeah. <laughs> and we'd go Lake. up to fucking Lyle Comedy, and, comedy. Comedy, comedy. And you would be doing your set. And it wasn't that you had anything political or anything about 9-11 or anything. Not at all. But you would be talking about the, the plural for octopus. And there would just be these idiots. I'll never forget it. In the crowd. Go, and one of them went, what? Like that, you got a what? Which I still think is one of the worst tackles you can get. And I was sitting behind the guy and I was like, I'm yeah. on next. Yeah. Wait till you get a load of me. Yeah. Like it's going to be worse. Yeah. Because this joke is great. <laughs> I remember being in Lyle Aldis back when you smoked uh, comedy comedy and would be out back and you'd be smoking. And I'm like, I'm great. I feel so relieved that the show is canceled. I still get that. Do you get that? If there's no show, we'll get back to the commune thing, by the way. If there's no show, like I don't have a show tonight. I'm a little bit... Oh, I don't have a show tonight, yeah. and I've, it's a different day. After this, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go. Maybe I'll watch a movie. Yeah. I'll watch the debates and yeah. get angry. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Isn't that weird? As long as we've been doing it, as long as we try and acclimate to this non-acclimatable lifestyle. Like, I remember saying to my ex, Becca... <laughs> she has a name. It has a name. <laughs> she was like, oh, you have a show? And I was like... I was like, I want to get to the point where, of course, I have a show. Like, it's like it's of weird course. that I don't have a show. Yeah. Um, but you're trying to train yourself to have that be the normal thing. But still, here we are, eleven, twelve years yeah. in. If we don't have a show, I'm more relaxed now. So totally. I mean, I had a show last night, and it wasn't that it stressed me out all day, but it was something in the back of my head. It's always in the back yeah. of my mind. I you, feel like, by the way, your wife is like a thing in the corner, and she's slowly like melting into a blob. But whenever you say her name, it like the face comes up for uh, a second. You're like, no. I'm good. 
<laughs> melt go away. Oh no. No, not in a bad way, but that's what it is. You make, you know, colorless globules out of things that have wronged you. I really like the idea that you should the the sensible, the evolved thing to do is to take the memory, the good and the bad, and be like, I'm I'm hitting save on the wall. Reference to your yeah. old bit. I'm going to save all of this because it's, it's going to complicate me. It's going to make me feel pain. It's going to make me feel. But that's that's good. It's good to feel yeah. things. I would like. Sure. I'm not shitting on anywhere I've been touring, but when I'm touring and I'm in like some sleepy town, you see a lot of people that you know. And I'm judging. I'm making a snap judgment. I don't know them. But I just see, like, some guy, and I'm like, I don't know if this guy's feeling too much of anything. Well, I sort of have this thing, and it's very judgmental, and I know people all over, everywhere listen to this, and it, this is just my perspective, but I go, like, if I'm driving from here to, like, San Francisco or someplace, I see a small town. Yeah. And I'm like, who are these fucking people who live here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are they living here? The drive to Vegas is worse. If you ever drive from here to Vegas, you'll drive through, like, you'll drive through the game Borderlands, basically. <laughs> And you'll be like, what is this? The, the boss lives here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I open this garbage can, there'll be like a sniper rifle yeah. in there. <laughs> and cash. And cash. Bundles Three, of cash. $3. Do you worry? Okay, let me finish the commune thing. Yeah, we won't forget the commune thing. I'm writing down commune. But do you worry, like I do, that you'll never love anything as much as you love comedy? Um, No. I am genuinely, I feel like I... Uh, what is it? it? This is some mail from the show, and I thought this was from my oh, ex. Who has bad that news. Name. I was like, shit, she's writing me letters. Uh, Go on, yeah, I'm it sorry. says uh, Stephanie Bad News on it. <laughs> um, I, no, I don't think so. I feel, usually I feel pretty engaged, and like I get excited. I think, honestly, for me, a big thing that's sort of something that, like video games for me, I genuinely get engaged in them all the time. Being with Emily, I get genuinely engaged in all the time. Doing comedy, I get genuinely engaged in movies, I get genuinely engaged in. So there are always things that I'm like excited about. Obviously, you go through periods. That's so great. That's so great. Isn't it weird? But I'm sitting here listening to you, and I'm like, oh, that's great. You really do give a shit about movies and video games. And yeah, stuff. I like, really that's great. do. I really do, and I get excited about like stuff I'm working on, and I got like I get like really excited sometimes too much, but I, I feel like that's. Obviously, you go through phases when you're a little more dulled to everything. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, the part of the reason that I just want this special to be done is so that I can move on and do other things. You know, I mean, yeah. this is stuff I've been working on for a while. And at this point, thinking about that sa- set doesn't bring me joy. Yeah. It doesn't bring me joy anymore. I, so I want to do stuff that brings me joy. That You mean the material? The material and just the idea of commodification of your art or whatever cashing it in cashing it in yeah putting it in I mean that's the other thing like this uh, I told you about the script I've been working on and I just finished the first draft of it and I'm really excited about it and that is something that I genuinely want to keep working on and make it really really good you know but then when it's really good what's the best case scenario it becomes a movie and then it gets made and then many people watch it and then it's not your story anymore it's everybody's story and takes the power away and Mm. you've dealt with it I mean you know, for me, uh, uh, I did this show called Unpronounceable, which is a one-man show sort of about my journey with Islam, and which has been such a big part of my life. But then doing that show made a lot of those like anxieties weaken, and it was sort of sad for me to, to do see the them sh- go. To see them go and to also to have other people, first of all, know so much about you, because it was a very, very personal and naked show. It felt like I was literally like waving my dick in people's faces. You You're know? a pitch black dick? My pitch black dick, not where it's circumcised. <laughs> the, but oh, wait, the tip. 
The dip isn't pitch black. Oh no! It's like a it's like a Neapolitan ice cream. It's like a parfait. <laughs> it looks like a candy corn. It looks like a candy corn. But come on, like the biggest candy corn you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it's like a candy corn. This is a free podcast. Did you know people don't have to pay to download this podcast? <laughs> it's completely free. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> But you're paying right now. <laughs> <laughs> you're paying a different price. You're paying a different price. Oh, God. Um, I had no idea. Um, oh, okay. So, uh, what were we talking about? It looks about? like the Xbox Connect remote. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The Connect uh, remote has the light tip and the black shaft. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but it's like totally like a line. I also, <laughs> this is another weird part. I once caught it in a zipper. And what part the t- the head? Just like right below the head, and you, the scar is still there. All right, like the guy on the wire. There was also <laughs> you're like Omar. Oh yeah, I'm like Omar. You got Omar dick. Yeah. <laughs> I also there was a time in my life where I just discovered masturbating, and I was masturbating so much. Yes. Honestly, that I would I'd never use lube. I started like I would start like <laughs> shaving, bleeding. Yeah, I've I've gotten to a, a red, and there's also a scar for that. Really? Yep. I was in the condo in Appleton, and I was going to jay off because they make you come in. Yeah, please. They make you come in on Wednesday to do press on Thursday. That is the worst. First show is on Thursday. Uh, no comment. No. What do I care? It, it's rough. Uh, so I'm in the condo alone, and I was like, "There's a." I could tell you a lot of things about what I did when I got to that condo because I was just like, "How am I going to face this loneliness of being in Wisconsin?" But I was going to jerk off. But it's in a it's in a condo, so there's no shampoo, there's no lotion. You know how like you go to a, like a fucking hotel, there's lotion. It's like here, jerk off with oh, this. Oh yeah, what did you say? Mint time, mint time. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. mint time, folks. I love a good hotel. But here I am, and I'm like, I don't have anything in my bag. I jerked off with shaving cream. Yeah, it's not that bad. <laughs> hey, people, was it gel or like? Foam? It was a gel. I'll tell you this too. Use less. A little goes a long way. A little goes a long way. At the end of the day, it it smelled like I was shaving like a gorilla in there. (laughs) Like I really was like really cleaning up a huge, huge hairy piece. You used way more than you needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was an embarrassing uh, scent to wash off my dick and (laughs) (laughs) balls. It's a good thing you didn't get lucky. Like, is this Gillette? (laughs) What is this flavor? Yeah. That's the best a man can get, sweetheart. (laughs) That's the best a man can get, sweetheart. There's nothing worse than calling a girl a sweetheart as she's tasting shaving cream on your dick just so condescending <laughs> so very condescending <laughs> okay we got like eight irons in the fire okay go for it we were talking about the special mm-hmm. we were talking about the commune let's just put a pin in the commune because we can get that out of the way how we're making the laws how young is too young to fuck uh it you know it changes like i honestly i'm fine what is it 18 yep you know what i'm fine with 18 Someplace, hey, europe i believe it's 16 yeah I don't know. 18 is safer. It's always better to err on the side of like being conservative with that stuff. Yeah. Um, sometimes it gets weird. It gets weird with like an 18 sleeps with a 17 year old and then they get like. It yeah. happens to like. That happens a lot. Yeah. It happens to like. Uh, I saw a story. There was some like a black kid who's still in prison because he was 18 and she was 16 or 17 and mm. they were dating. They yeah. were dating. And they were probably doing it before he turned 18. Yeah. Yeah. And then one day suddenly it's illegal, you know? Like most um, porn. <laughs> I really, you know, I'm fine with 18. I don't think it needs to be any younger, and I'm not. It's not going to affect me. I'm not going to have sex with any 18 or 17 year olds ever. I don't think I've ever had sex with an 
17 have, have I ever had sex with an 18 year old I might never have had sex with an 18 year old I think 21 is the youngest I've ever had sex with yeah wait no I tried to have sex with a 21 year old no, I mean, but how old it were you when you and work. Becca were together? She was 24. When was this, the 21-year-old? When was that? When did you try it? It was to? like a year ago. Okay. No shame in that. Didn't work. Occasionally, I'll flip past her on Facebook, and I'm like, fuck you, yeah. man. We had a lot of chemistry. It wasn't just like some random... I mean, I, it was kind of random. Why did it not work? I n- I've never really talked about this on the show. It's never come up. We talked about how, like, I, I haven't had sex with a lot of people, and then I've been single for the past year. And then, like, I've kind of dabbled in the idea of having sex with more people. Whore Island. <laughs> right? Well, that's what Emily called it. Yeah. I have to go to Whore Island for yeah. a while. And I haven't really been a huge uh, Whore Island person, but there has been some dabbling. And I, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm like, let's see what happens. And I remember with that girl, first of all, 21's a little young. But I'm, I'm very uncomfortable. This is the way this... Can I have uh, the bottle of... I will say this, that not I don't alcohol. think you should be uncomfortable because a lot of guys sometimes think that one night stands is for them. The girl's getting something out of it, too. She wouldn't be doing it if she didn't want to do it. Yeah, that's, she's a, getting that's an evolved thing. Yeah. Like, I, like I'm, a, I'm a fucking exciting, interesting person somewhat, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I like that... <laughs> I, I like that none of your things about sex are about actually in the bedroom. It's no. just like surrounding it. Like, I'll be good to you before and yeah, afterwards. My dick is the same color. Let's just say that. It's all. It's a uniform color and it's boring. <laughs> you see the tip? You've seen the whole yeah. thing. Do you like vanilla? Not even uh, French vanilla. Vanilla. It's not even vanilla bean. Nope. When it's it gets not real, Madagascar. So this was... It's uh, like Rite Aid vanilla ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. I'm sorry. I'm no, just, it's kind of true. I'm just riffing. No, we're riffing bits, riffing bits, riffing bits. So anyway, I don't know. So there was this girl, and I didn't know she was 21 until later, but uh, I think I asked when it kind of – she was being super flirty, which is how it works, okay? Like I, I don't really uh, go seeking it out necessarily, but this girl came up and was aggressively cute and was aggressively Was this in flirty. L.A.? This was in a comedy club. Okay. Uh, on the road. And uh, she was really, really fun. I really liked her, and we like went out. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was like one show. We went out and spent several hours together. And the mistake I made was I was like, I'm going to just try and be honest and say something. I, I said something. This, this is the first time I've been uncomfortable what on the show. What did you do? I, I looked at her and I said, I'm going to be. Mm. Say it, Pete. It's fine. I honestly, there is no judgment. I just want to know and there's going to be no judgment. No, Seriously. I know. And, you know. Okay. Seriously. I said to her, I said. I mean, I might be doing a bit. And then just fucking nail you when you say it. I will just, I'll edit this shit out of the show so fast. Just say it. No, I won't. Uh, I said, I'm going to be really disappointed if we don't hook up tonight. That's what I said. And did that turn the tide? Um, 15 minutes later, she wasn't there anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I won't say what you said, but. You know what it was? was, It was just an experiment. This This has been a thing I've been trying to do. What if I say. That's not offensive. I wasn't like, no. I can't wait to pull your hair. But this is what it is, I think. I thought you it would work. what you were saying. I just thought it would work. I thought it would be like, look, I'm flirting with you. This girl is flirting with me, and you know, there's some leg touching and shit, and we're drinking uh, American slippery cocktails, and we're a block and a half from my hotel. Old Petey Pants doesn't know what he's doing, and he thought he'd give it a try. Why not set an intention and be like, and this is fucking true. I am going to be upset if we don't hook up tonight. We don't have to fuck. Sure. But I would like to make out with you at least, and none of that happened. And you know what? I was upset. I woke up the next day, and I was like, "Yeah, what a, what a fucking... 
two things. One, there's a movie I can't forget which it is, and when people hear it, they're gonna be like, "It's this fucking movie." It's like a big movie where they're going on a date, and they're like, "Oh, it's a uh, fucking Annie Hall, I think." Okay. Where he's like, "You know what? Let's just kiss right in the beginning, yep. so that there's no tension." Yep. Uh, and then we just have a good time. They also do it in Goodwill Hunting. Uh, and in the original script, he says, "Have is you?" Is that seen- when they go out for caramels? What did they go out for? Caramels. Caramels. <laughs> I don't know why I'm. Car- Caramels? Yeah. Sound a good boss. Everyone goes out for coffee. You want to go get a couple fucking caramels? I realized I was in Rhode Island at like a, uh, like a Walgreens, and I was like, oh, you guys really talk like this. <laughs> it's that's not, great. It's not just Matt Damon acting. Yeah, yeah, way. yeah, yeah. But, it, but in that movie, he says, have you, in the original script of Good Will Hunting, he says, have you seen Annie Hall? And then he says, let's get the kiss out of the way. In the movie, he just says, let's get the kiss out of the way. Oh. Isn't that funny? Um, so the, they, one of your favorite movies. What, Goody Hunt? Goody Hunts. <laughs> The other Goody Hunts also sounds like a porn. It also sounds like a Puritan woman. Yeah. Goody Hunt saw Goody Proctor <laughs> yeah. turn into a werewolf. She's got the uterine cancer because she's never been bedded. Goody Hunt saw the specter. How do you like them apples? <laughs> <laughs> I, riffing. Bits. Riffing bits, bits. Uh, the other thing We're I drinking. Think, Can we admit that we're drinking? You are. I'm drinking. The other thing that I... <laughs> Katie's drinking. The other thing... Me and Katie are drinking. Uh, the other thing I think about you saying that... Yeah. What probably maybe uh, turned her a little bit is that there are certain things that you do in society that are unsaid. You know that you know everyone knows what's happening, but you don't say it. She's touching your leg. You're not going to say, "Oh, you're touching my leg." This means you're interested. You don't say that. So there's certain things that Why are going not? on because there are certain there are certain ways things are done. You're dancing with a girl. It's sort of a you know mating ritual, but you don't I'm, say that. And I then don't I think saying that, like I think we have a friend. Uh, I'll say his name, Dan, Dan Kaufman. He does this a lot. Really good friend. Yeah. <laughs> really good friend, but sometimes he'll call out like social things that it shouldn't be said, yeah, that's and true. then it ruins it. Yeah. It's like in uh, Anchorman where he's like, we're having a good time. He's like, don't say that. Just you know, We're just friends hanging out. Yeah. That kind of ruins it, and I think that's maybe what happened was that you called out these things that were in the air and can, under the table. But can you see? I can a reality where that would have totally worked. It could be like a fun flirty thing. Sure. I called our scumbag friend Nate Craig and I told him that story. You mean Rape Craig? Rape Craig. <laughs> Do you hear my uh, ra- we call him Rape Craig cuz he's just, you know, he's our scumbag friend. Cuz he's probably raped someone. No. <laughs> he's a great guy. I love you know Rape Craig. <laughs> we wouldn't be here without Rape Craig he's somewhere great. in our timeline. He's great. <laughs> I did a rape joke. I did a roast joke about Nate Craig. And they go, Nate Craig, uh, you guys aren't going to believe this, but we actually call Nate Craig Rape Craig. And uh, he's a comedian, which just goes to show you there really is nothing funny about rape. <laughs> oh, uh, my God. Boom, 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 boom. Killed him. Double. Uh, great joke. But uh, I told him that, and he was like, you know, he, he is more of a poon man. He's a poon man. He's yeah. one of the poon men that you hear about. And uh, I, I thought it was like Draper-esque. Just like, fuck it, man. I'm into you. I think you're into me. And here's a true thing. But it's thing. also that thing of like you go to a different school and you're like, I'm a different person. But like there are certain lines that you and I can't say that Rape Craig can say and get away with. If Rape you know? Craig had said <laughs> Yeah. He if would... Rape Craig had said, first of all, he wouldn't say, yeah. I'm going to be a little disappointed if we don't hook up tonight. Yeah, he wouldn't. A, a phrase that probably but took if he me had, 10 minutes. They would have had sex once at night and once in the morning and then never seen each other yeah. again. He probably would have said... I'm going to be pissed if you don't blow me this evening. And before the low and blow, he would be getting blown. He would be getting blown. <laughs> <It'd> be- 
By the way, very handsome. <laughs> Good looking man. A jawline that could stop a truck. You could set your watch yeah. by that jawline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you were drawing a square, you could use him as yeah, each you corner. Just trace it. Yeah, put your face on this paper. Yeah. yeah. And a great guy and very funny. Like I love rape. I yeah. <laughs> What? Out of context? That's a quote that's weird. I love rape Craig. Nope. Still, we can take the Craig out. Well, I mean, we've said rape and other things. I said Hitler. You can make it say that I said I love Hitler. Yeah, but you could tell that this was not just that I love rape. (laughs) Why am I saying it? (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Now we can both not run for president. Well, that ship has sailed. Yeah. <laughs> that ship has yeah. definitely sailed. That's like my dad called me a year ago and was like, so are you going to med school? And I was like, no, I think that ship has sailed. Yeah, right. that ship sailed and sank in the happen. harbor. But you were doing a high-paying corporate gig in the, in the fucking ballroom. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God, Emily. Uh, well, we, uh, let's go to one of these other irons we have in the fire. We, I, we were talking about being mean, right? And... This is a theory that I've been floating past a couple people that doesn't seem to be working, (laughs) but I thought it was pretty interesting. The idea of alcohol and fame being enablers to nice people like you and I to – there's a part of us in our subconscious that wants to be an asshole. Sure. Uh, And we find that – you find that in the security of your relationships apparently. Like you'll be well, mean. I'm not like mean to her all the time. No, I know. Nobody thinks you're doing that. But like you do have the green light a little bit. Let, let's, let's put it this way. There's something in Kumail's psychology, and I'll just put this on myself. There's something in my psychology that wants to be cruel. Yeah, and I think that's – everybody probably everybody. has a of little course, bit of that. Of course. Or you're a fucking liar. This is a, big, this is a big part of my belief system is that we all have terrible, terrible – Terrible thoughts. That's why I think road rage is a thing because it gives people like, all right, I can be really shitty to this yep. person that cut me off. Also, uh, listening to shows like uh, Howard Stern or whatever where they're really dirty in the enclosed space of your car. It's, it's very cathartic. private. It's cathartic. And you're like, and, and listening to shock uh, like Eminem. He's very dirty or, or like very misogynistic. Well, Eminem is really good because he is very good at uh, verbalizing and uh, saying the things like that song. Uh, him and Rihanna have that song. Yeah. It's about spousal abuse. Yeah. But it's like so, like, it's said so well and poetic that even though it's about spousal abuse, you see yourself or there's some truth clearly to that song. Well, I mean, I think that's kind of the role of the artist. I've seen, um, speaking of fucking kids, for example, when we were in Lyle, of all places, I remember seeing a guy and his joke was... Can I just say that the phrase, speaking of fucking kids, was just said? (laughs) Yep. Right after I Love Rape. There was a guy in Lyle. His bit was like, there's a law for a reason. It's because people want to fuck 15-year-olds. Like some people do. Not all 15-year-olds. Kumail, if you came out of the shower and uh, <laughs> you were in a post-apocalyptic world and uh, you're, you're in this old hotel, it's one of the few structures that is still standing and the zombies can't get in. There's yeah. some zombies. Sorry. Oh, it's a post-apocalyptic zombie situation. But you, you're a genius. You fucking worked the, the plumbing and stuff. You got the hot water working because you have this little generator and stuff. Yeah. You're, you're doing pretty good. I'm pretty good. You're not happy. You're very sad. You miss some people like me a little bit more than you Oh, thought you're you not did. there. You're, I'm fucking gone. You're gone. You're the only guy. I'm the only guy. Yeah. You've been uh. alone for like a decade. I was just alone for a week mm. and when I saw you <laughs> for, yeah. on the road. I was so happy to see another person. So you're coming out of the shower, which is weird because you use a towel. You have this big belief in ritual and you're like, I know it's supposed to I'm holding on to civilization from yep. before. Yep. You, yeah. You put it on the rack. I'm still wiping my ass. You wipe your ass. You don't have to. I don't have to. You make a dangerous zombie-laden trip to the basement to get toilet paper. Yeah. You risk your life 
because of meaning. I'm shaving with my machete. You shave. You love it clean shave. Yeah. I'm still uh, plucking my unibrow. <laughs> <laughs> but you do it with the machete. Yeah. Shing! Yeah. One little thing. So you're coming back with your machete, as you always do, and you're, it's a black towel for some reason. Uh, you're mixing it to up. To go with the bottom half of my dick. <laughs> Wait, the bo- Oh, yeah, the shaft. The so, shaft. <laughs> you're wearing a shaft-colored towel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why is that the one that got us? I don't know. And then you go into your hotel room. The key card still works. Yeah. Good work. Uh-huh. Uh, and you go in. Yeah. And there is a 15-year-old girl. Oh, my God. Fair is the tip <laughs> of my dick. <laughs> this is a free show. You don't have to pay to listen to this show. It's free. You just have to be bothered to wait a couple minutes for it to download, and you get to hear fair as the tip of my dick from a goddamn professional. <laughs> so you come in, and there she is, gorgeous in that 15-year-old sort of way. Look, I'm not here to say that Dude. I – but you're going to – you're going to. Nothing makes me feel older than just – because uh, I went to – I do a college gig sometimes, and I'll see. I'm like, every girl is beautiful. And you're like, no, you're just old. Yeah. You think youth is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, You're drawn to the youth. Yeah. And I'm glad that I'm not overly drawn to youth. That's where you get the problem, I yeah. suppose. I'm, or drawn to overly youth. Over, overly youth, yeah. But even even 18-year-old girls. Like, I, oh, yeah. I don't want to offend people, but, you know, uh, I – I know some people that are teenage Just girls. like clear eyes and clean skin, you know? Yeah, you're right. And just like a new ruddiness. You're like, uh, what is that ruddiness? Yeah. What do you, what do you have, a secret? <laughs> yeah, like really... what are you hiding? Yeah. <laughs> That's creepy, but I liked it. Uh, but youth attraction and physical attraction. But I mean, like in that situation, that person is going to be, you know, your Jason Bourne girl. Yeah, well, okay. So you're going to fight zombies together. You're not going to wait. If she's 15. Oh, I was going to say that she was spread eagle on the bed and your towel falls off. I'm just a man. And, and there's your fucking d- dual yeah. colored dick. You have your soul moments and then you have your animal moments. Yeah, that dick is voting in a way that your intellect Listen, is trying to audit. <laughs> you're, tr- you're trying to call an audible. <laughs> but, but no. Well, I, if, she, if I feel like she knows what she's doing and what she's getting into, there is certainly, and I... She's a mature 15. She's been fighting off zombies. That's what I mean. That's what I mean is like certainly these laws are there for a reason, but there are obviously 16-year-olds that are probably grown-ups. So on the compound, we have to put it to some sort of like a sociopath test, like it's like give them a personality test and be like, it sounds like you're ready for fucking? Well, but then you know. I mean, you just didn't meet her that day, right? She's like... The 15-year-old? Yeah. Or in the compound? The 15-year-old. In the zombie situation? Yeah, you've known her. No, you haven't known her. She just... In fact, at first, you pulled a gun on her. Oh, and then you see that no, like, skin ripping off her face or anything. And then you you say, hold out your hands, and she's not a cannibal. Okay. And then then this is actually a big turn on for you. You have a crossbow, and she does that thing where she, like, hits it, so now it's pointing at you, and she's holding it. Just one smooth motion? One smooth motion. And suddenly it's on me. And now it's on you, and you put your fingerless gloves to the air. You wear them in the shower. Uh Uh-huh. And then your dick does the rest of the I mean, it's the fucking apocalypse. Yeah. You're not going to take off your fingerless gloves in the shower. Or your goggles. Always at attention. Yeah. I got my goggles. I got my football shoulder pads. <laughs> right? And your machete dangling yeah. by your other machete. I got my hair spiked up. 
I'm ready. <laughs> Your dual colored machete. Yeah, my dual colored machete. Is <laughs> three colors? <laughs> three colors. <laughs> what? Because there's blood on it? No, it, it is three colors. Your machete. Your dick. Yeah. The balls are what green? <laughs> balls are not part of it. Oh, balls are a different thing. There's the regular. That's the color that God gave me. There's the color from the circumcision. Yeah. And then there's the tip, which is a... You mean the, the, the bearded area, the like the soft skin area below the tip is a no. second color? No. What? There's a shaft. <laughs> <laughs> there's the color from... When I said Neapolitan, there are three... I thought it was an error. There are three. <laughs> I thought it was an error. No. I've been looking at this thing my whole life. <laughs> there are no errors in description, my friend. <laughs> All right. So we have the chocolate base. Yeah, you got the dark chocolate Dark base. chocolate base. Then you got sort of the strawberry. Where's the strawberry? That's where the circumstance, like the area about, under the tip? About a third of the way under the tip. A third? That's what I'm talking about. That sort of. That strawberry. Kind of almost like scar tissue that dicks yeah. have that we're all just ignoring. Yeah, we're all not talking about it. <laughs> but it's America, this is real. Please don't mention. That's what I have when uh, I say when I'm intimate with a girl. I go, please yeah. don't mention the scar tissue. Yeah, that, yeah I never have. Kind of looks like the tip of the dick has like an Abe Lincoln beard. Yeah, yeah, but mine's the opposite. It's like a white. <laughs> it's white. Well, not white, but it's like pink. Yeah, it's lighter. Choc- dark chocolate, pink, and then now we're at the tip, which is like a caramel. Yeah, like this. Your hand. That's exactly right. <laughs> Dick sounds like a character in Lion King. It's got a lot of levels, a lot of layers. It's seen some things, you know? <laughs> Do you have to warn people? No. Back in the day, the first time Emily saw it, did no, you no, talk no. about it after? I did talk about the scar that's sort of also part of it. The scar it's, from the zip. Yeah. Yeah, it's specifically the character Scar from the Lion yeah. King. <laughs> <laughs> a lot going on. It's a parfait of goodness. Oh, my God. I hope this one gets reviewed by the AV Club oh, so they can geez. be like, in between discussions on faith and comedy, they talk at length. About Kumail's uh, penis color. <laughs> it's striated, apparently. Yeah. Okay. Let me. Okay. Here's the theory that I was going to give you. Thank you, Katie. Um, Wait, what did that mean? We've been on for 90 minutes. Oh, okay. I like a 90-minute light. Okay. Doesn't mean we have to wrap up. It sure. just means I like to know that yeah. we've, you know, if the episode not ninety minutes, then that's not long enough for me. Sure. Uh, the idea of those things, that cruelty we were talking about in your brain yeah. that you have, these secret thoughts, these yeah. secret uh, negative things, and and the part of your brain, if we're talking about Freud's thing, the the id basically, who wants to like just scream and be a brat and, and fuck things, yeah. He wants things to happen, but here you and I are both stuck in these personas that are genuine of nice people. So sometimes I worry, and my therapist makes me worry, that like my id is kind of at the helm being like, get rich and famous. And a lot of people are this way. Get rich and famous, and then you can do whatever you want, and people will understand. Or use alcohol, a cheap rich and fame, to be like, I was drunk. Yeah. Like... If there's something I don't want to do, like I'll often get drunk and be like, I'm so, like you texted me the other night and I was like, I'm sorry, I'm drunk. Like I couldn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't reply to you. And that's just like a, a write off. It's just you can like do- a irresponsibility. Yeah. I yeah. Do what, but here's how are thing. you giving yourself green lights to act the way you really secretly I think act. for me, uh, that anger or whatever, the meanness is it's power and it's a way to affect the world. You can affect the world in many ways. You can, you can sort of, 
play the slow game which we're doing, which we're working hard and writing bits and writing, uh, being on TV shows and working and affecting the world th- so slowly and a lot of hard work in a positive way, but you can also affect the world negatively today. Like, you couldn't affect the world positively today by something you decide today. It'd right. be hard. Something negative. Walk, fucking yell at a guy on the street. Just, like, right. punch a guy walking down the street. Shoot a guy at an ATM. That's a power. Yeah. That's a power. That's that, the appeal of the dark side. Yeah. And you can appeal. Immediate you, results. Immediate results. So I think that's part of it. Uh, and that's why, you know, that's part. We've talked about this before. Where video games can be good uh, is that they give you power yeah. in a world where there aren't really consequences. Yeah. So uh, I don't really, I mean, part of the problem not part of the problem but I don't give myself excuses to be mean and shitty and when I do when I am mean and shitty it doesn't happen often but I feel really really horrible about it and sometimes I genuinely genuinely feel this is very vulnerable I I genuinely feel like I'm a bad person that is pretending to be a good person Mm -hmm. all the time like I feel like if people could see my heart or my soul they would be scared Um, and I know being good is just acting good, but I genuinely feel like there are times where I, I, I feel like I'm a bad person who does who has bad thoughts and bad things, and I just don't do them, you know? And I don't know how true that is for... Is that as true as it gets? All my favorite movies are people pretending to be good people. Dark Knight, There Will Be Blood, Jesse James. Uh, Jesse James, not as much. But I haven't. Yeah, that was a steep drop off. I haven't seen Jesse James, <laughs> but it seems like. Well, Jesse James is pretending to be a human. Is basically what he's doing. Yeah. When really he just wants you know to die. That's what Jesse James wants. Uh, but Batman is pretending to be normal. Let, let's go. There will be blood. I mean, it's it's the most clear example. Here I am again. I believe myself to be a good person, but I'm also challenged by what you say. Am I a good person or am I a shitty person, just like everybody else? who specializes in favoring better decisions and camouflaging my own shittiness. Yeah, I mean, that's what the master is, too. They're like sort of angry people who deal with it in very different ways. You know? The master is a great example. We have the leader, the master, who is coming off as a, as a, as a leader type guy. And then he's in love with the character who's like uh, id. That's yeah. all he is. Joaquin yeah. Phoenix as id. So he's sort of jealous of him and that he gets to do whatever he he's wants to do. He's masterless. Like yeah. he says at the end. He's like, mm-hmm. you're, you're the one guy that doesn't have a master. And we all would like to be doing that. That's what's challenging is you're married and we're all rooting for that. And, but then there also has to be like the, the, the quality of your fidelity is, that, is, is enhanced by the fact that maybe sometimes you don't want to be faithful. Well, I mean, there's the thing. It's, again, going back to associations. Am I associating being like cheating on Emily with like the hour that I'm doing it. The tricolored hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it'd be a great hour <laughs> for everyone involved. But am I associating with the hour that I'm doing it or the rest of my life where I feel horrible well, about that's, it? That's the French fries. That's the French fries. It's exactly that thing. You got the telltale vagina. And what am I getting out of... floorboards. Yeah. Yeah. I got the telltale vagina. It's just pulsating. It's just queefing down there. Oh, oh my God. I think think Emily can hear it. Uh, (laughs) That's the great cosmic joke that the fair, beautiful vagina bleeds and queefs. (laughs) <laughs> oh my that's, god that's proof of a I sense mean, of humor that's again you know the difference between like body and mind where like this girl is beautiful oh, she poops a lot yeah every day. every day she poops if you go to gelata it's gonna come out in a fiery way let's not think about that <laughs> but that's but that's what uh, it is you know like all I'm giving up 
all I'm giving up being with Emily is not having sex with other women. That is the only thing I'm giving up. And I'm getting the world in return. Yeah. I'm getting everything in return for giving up this one thing, this very animal thing, very small thing. And it's obviously something that's, you know, it's obviously there. And what's great about Emily is that she's not, if Emily were here, I would not change this conversation at all. Could you uh, edit this part out? <laughs> no, but totally. It, I but mean, I've seen you guys talk about uh, past relationships and, and, and different things and, and uh, impulses and things that you're squelching and stuff. And that's really, really healthy and normal. Je- yeah. Jealousy is AIDS, man. It is straight up relationship AIDS. Yeah. And I that's... hate it. And I learned it from the last one, the letter one, the letter name one. Letter name. The letter name? Yeah, it's She a bad. taught me how to be jealous. I mean, that's the thing you think of. That's, there's very few emotions that are just negative, and jealousy has to be one of them. You know, it's je- jealousy and envy, just negative. But they're also, to make uh, obsession, to make, uh, what is it called? Infatuation. Some of, the, some of the ingredients in the infatuation cocktail are negative ingredients. Yeah. They're like jealousy and envy and like rage. That's why those people that are like staying up fucking all night in some weird honeymoon hotel are also the people that like pull knives on each other yeah but yeah i'd rather have it your way <laughs> yeah me too do you feel a lot of pressure you come up on the show a lot as the example of yeah i mean emily and i have talked about it i don't i mean people would fucking revolt well i mean it's not really a pressure that we feel because it doesn't feel like we have pressure to stay together you know i don't think but it it really is like emily and i have been like we don't, it's a weird thing to sort of be the symbol of you know a good relationship but not just that the good relationship the say the the hope of this weird group yeah i was telling you how i was feeling like oh i just don't know if relationships are going to work for me (laughs) and then i go kumail and emily (laughs) and we've talked about this i've 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 called it too early and i've said to you i've like i found my emily you know what i mean yeah yeah i'll I'll tell both of you guys yeah i mean i didn't realize for me what emily was i first met her and this was sort of going to the The movie yeah i first met emily and i really liked her and i really did not want to be in a relationship at that point and we honestly for like three weeks fought it we just fought it where we would be like, you know what? We can't hook up. Because she was just out of a relationship. I was, I just wanted to be single, you know? Was she just out of yes. her marriage? Yeah. She, she was. She talked about that on the show. Yeah, sure. She had just gotten divorced. She just gotten divorced a few months ago. So she wanted to go to Whore Island. And she wanted to go... I don't know if she wanted to go to Whore Island. She didn't say that. But she definitely didn't want to go to like... Kumail Island. Yeah. She, she didn't just- want to go to like marriage... Volcano, volcano, <laughs> Neapolitan, yeah. volcano. <laughs> Three colors of lava. Oh. Three colors of love. <laughs> so she, so she was wary. I was wary. She was wary, and it was just this thing where we had like such a connection right away. But I never. Uh, we literally fought it. We, we would be like, you know what? Let's just watch a movie, and then we would never finish the movie. We would just hook up. You know, I would literally throw dirty clothes on my bed and then have invited her over and I'd be like there's dirty laundry on the bed so it's safe we can't do anything cut yeah. to us on like fucking dirty laundry yeah, yeah. you know so it, it sort of was like that and a few months went by and I hadn't said fuck the fuck oh. you man yeah it was so it's so mad just could not this. resist it you know and it was from both of us and it was just this like connection we had never actively thought of like her being Never really thought too far ahead, you know. It's just I just know when I look back that every relationship I was in before that, I would always think like, oh, if I think of something three years from now, I would think of it as myself. But with Emily, I never had that. I didn't have one foot out the door. 
I always, when I thought about the future, she was there. She was there. But it wasn't like an active thing. It was just like there. But then the, the Comey's happened. Well, what quickly. happened was, so we, and I was afraid to meet her parents, whatever, all that stuff. And then <laughs> Emily talked about it on here, right? She got like really sick. And then she was, She did. We talked about it at length. She was in a coma. And by the way, that still remains, you know, I don't want to play favorites, but I think that's my favorite episode we've ever done. And I say that as a compliment to you because that's your fucking wife, man. Great job. Eight eight days she was that's in a coma. That's ruined dates I've gone on, by the way. <laughs> what do you mean? Because I'll ask the date. Oh, fuck. This episode's been good, man. You brought out things that are making me uncomfortable. But Same. it's true. Like, I'll ask the girl something that I've asked Emily. And it's not that they have to have the same answer as Emily. <laughs> but, like, I sure would like them to. <laughs> Go on. Fuck everything. So, it like, but I, that's another weird thing when you think of, you know, we were saying how, like, being long, uh, f- artificial things can elevate a relationship yeah. or, like, uh, you know, bad th- But this was overnight, not overnight, over eight nights for her overnight. We go from a relationship that's us hanging out to eight days later when she's up. Suddenly we are in love and completely together. I remember. Wait, eight days later, what happened? When she wakes up, she's a different person. Oh, she was out for a Hanukkah? She's out for a Hanukkah, (laughs) which is, she's out for a Hanukkah, but no gifts are exchanged. (laughs) So I'm hanging out with the parents. I I remember, this is all, I'm writing a movie about it. I I used to have. Which I jokingly. Huh? Which I jokingly called. It's for Judd Apatow. Can I say that? Oh, I don't know. We could probably bleep that because it's not like official. I'm working with them, but I don't. Can we say you're working with Judd Apatow? Sure, I guess. Because yeah. the joke doesn't make sense. Okay. And I was like, you should pitch it to him and say, you did Knocked Up. This is Knocked Out. Knocked Out. <laughs> so it, and it's about a couple who like sort of met and uh, they were only a few months in and suddenly she's in a coma and you hang out with the parents. You know, It's basically about the guy and the parents. But I remember having this... Thing I would, I remember I met a girlfriend's dad before, and they had the same nose, and I remember being like freaked out by it and grossed out. Wait, Emily's dad has no different. Oh, but then I remember hanging out with the parents and eating at a diner with them and looking at both of them and seeing what parts she got and like just feeling this immense amount of love for Emily Mm. from like seeing where she's from and this. I'm like getting choked up. Immense (laughs) amount of like being so grateful to these people for bringing this person into the world, you know, and like their eyes and noses and the, the, the things they liked and the way they laughed and just like feeling this immense amount of connection to these people. And I remember, uh, so Emily goes in, she's there overnight and I'm there with her and they, the doctors come in and they're like, does she have HIV and stuff? And I'm like, no, what are you talking about? She's in a lot of pain. They're like, sign this form. They're like, are you our husband? And I'm like, no. And they're like, all right, we're going to ask you again. You say yes and just sign this form because we need it signed. I say, yeah, I sign the form. They go in, they tie her down. They like put a mask over her face and they very violently put her under. And I'm there and I'm seeing her like struggle and she's looking at me and I had no idea this was going to happen. You know, she's like looking at me and she's struggling and she's fighting and I see her legs kick and then her legs stop kicking and she goes, she goes under and there's no way I should have been in there. And I remember seeing her like laying like that and was like, if she ever comes out of this, I'm going to marry this person. <laughs> and I remember like thinking that. Oh, so, um, 
And that's still, to this day, the longest I've gone without speaking to her, you know, eight days. So, but what happened was, and then we wake up and suddenly the relationship is at a completely different level, you know, like I know her parents, I I know her parents so well, I know her, and it's just like this weird feeling of like falling in love more and more with a person that's asleep, you know, every day you fall more and more in love with them. And I remember it didn't look like her and it didn't. You know, she didn't move, but it still smelled like her. So I remember I would always like smell her hair, you know, and be like, oh, that's Emily, that's Emily. Um, so, yeah, and that was the thing. I don't know how different our lives would be if that hadn't happened, you know, but that big thing happened completely out of our control and really like pushed our relationship forward in a way that is, you know, it's artificial. I don't know uh, how things would be if that hadn't happened, but. Um, it's almost good that it happened? Or? No, I wouldn't say that, but I would say that, you know, sometimes people wish Maybe that... Maybe it's dramatic that it happened? I don't know. I would say that people wish that bad things hadn't happened to them, but everything that's happened to you made you who you are, so to wish that something hadn't happened is to wish that you weren't yourself, which is... Well, it goes back to scrubbing over the memory. Yeah, but this is still... But that's the thing, so I'm writing this, and it's very hard for me to write. I walk away from the computer. I, like, certain times I, like... I'm just on Twitter, I'm not writing, and then I'm like, oh, I'm not writing, because your brain has these, like, walls that you don't even, it's not like, oh, this part is hard, this is the part where we find out that she might have leukemia, you know, it's not, and I'm not thinking that, but that's clearly what's happening, it's like, the brain is sending my grandfather to talk to me, you know, you're like, oh, just don't deal with this, it's, it's fine, but what ultimately will happen is, I'll work on this for a few months and I'll have a script no matter what happens with it and I'm sure it'll be something I'll be proud of and it's something I'll like and then it, the power from this big event will be a little lessened you know and it's a little sad it's part of who I am but in the sharing of it you mean? I think in the sharing of it and in the uh, articulating of it you sort of deal with oh that's interesting because they're the know? things you can believe and and think about, and then they're lessened when we put them into words. That's a big. It's true. They're lessened when you put them into words and you share them and you can say them. And that's what unpronounceable meant was a lot for me was putting them into words. Therapy is uh, you're saying things in therapy that you haven't said before, and that's what helps. You know, right? It takes the power away. So it's one of the. It's sort of sad. I don't think I have to say this to you, but just sharing that story now to me and, and to Katie and then when, when it's released is going to help people. I think so. I think ultimately... I mean, it helped me just now in real time. Like, I feel fucking weird. I feel like... In a beautiful way. No matter how... This sounds really cheesy, but life is so relatable. Just life is relatable. No matter what your story is and that's what I learned doing Unpronounceable. You know, I'm a kid in Karachi, fears of Islamic hell, disappointing parents... I would tell this story to people who grew up in Iowa and they would relate to it in such a way uh, that they were like, I felt like it was my story, even though all the particulars are completely different. But yeah. I, think, I think ultimately that's what's so wonderful about doing comedy in the right way is that it's people connecting and relating at such a pure level that it's an involuntary response. It's humanity, you know? Yeah. It's all like our shared humanity and we're talking about it and we're discussing it. And, and I think... That's what true, that's what at least, you know, that's what art tries to be is something that really gets to it. And it doesn't matter how big or small the event is as long as, as long as it's life, you know, as long as it's truth, as long as it's something. It's love. Uh, yeah. That's what I would say. And I think, you know, 
I would think of people are always like, well, if someone's an atheist, how do they have morality? Well, they still have love, and that love is morality. Love is society. Love is everything. Well, I, w- I would say love is the, you know, I'm stealing it from Bill Hicks, but that's the one true religion. And you can believe in that because you just, you just described it. You just recreated it. The air changed in the room. It's like a little miracle. It's water into wine. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that, that's real. That's, that's a real thing. And then you go and you prophesy. You go to Iowa. They shouldn't know what Karachi is. They don't know Emily. They yeah. don't, ugh, God, I feel so sentimental right now. <laughs> no, it's okay. But it's good. But they don't know. But then they, they relate in a, in a beautiful way. When I, when I do live shows and there are a lot of weirdos there, there's a long line of people that just want to tell me what the show did to their life. Sure. And then what that does to my life to hear that. It's, it's this beautiful, it's not artificial at all. This isn't fucking politics. I'm not, this isn't church. Neither of us have to toe any line. And it's not politics. I don't have to pretend to love some state that I don't love because I want them to vote for me. We can be completely honest and true. So when our love is real, it's actually real. Yeah. I mean, that's what, you know, if you think of religion based on love and they put in all these commandments and rules and go to church on Sundays, all that stuff, it's all, all these scaffolding on top of love. And, I mean, that's what we're ultimately trying to get to, you know. It's just, like, connecting with people and being engaged right. and being excited. And I think the problem is, mm-hmm. goes back to our, our silly commune thing that, keep com- that, that kept coming up. It's like, let's say love is a religion. And then people go, well, Billy Bob wants to fuck Marie. And Marie's 13. And then you start being like, this is, this is an oversimplification of the introduction of religion. <laughs> but it's like, well, Billy Bob, uh, don't do that because uh, the law. And you should obey the law. And God likes when you obey the law. And then yeah. Billy Bob's not raping anybody. I mean, that's sort of one thing that the Book of Mormon really taught is, you know, it sort of makes for Mormonism, whatever. You mean the musical? The musical, the Book of Mormon, which is, have you seen it? I really want to see it. It's so good, you'd love it. What its ultimate message, this is not a spoiler, but it's the message is... I'm just going to write it on my hand. Yeah, it kind of doesn't matter what how arbitrary the rules are if they help people that's all that matters is that what it's, the message of this musical is ultimately that's what it is you know it's like really beautiful it's like you could make up fucking bullshit that's clearly false but it gives people hope and if it makes them better people then that's something valid and it's something good you know and I think ultimately it's all about like your love not interfering with other people's love so if Billy Bob wants to fuck the 13 year old that's his love interfering with her love and that's what life and society is. It's like you doing what you want to do while not stopping, getting in the way of other people doing what they want to do. You don't want to impede other people's happiness. Yeah. That's, that's what empathy and everything is, you know. It's just like trying to be happy and in a way that also enables other people to be happy. It's not easy. <laughs> no, it's not. Did you see Argo? No, I haven't seen it yet. I want to see it. It seems like such a crazy story. That, uh, the fact that it's true is weird. I know. It's one of those movies that, like, no spoilers. Uh, because you know it's a true story, you kind of like it's, – it's like a – you kind of have a feeling of how it will end. That's, I'll just say that. It's sure. Not, it's not going to be – you know, it's still good. I, 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 I'll fucking take the uh, trolling if it happens. I was a little bored because it is a true story, so they just have to tell the true story. They can't, like, spice it up with knucklehead antics, which I would like. But that movie uh, – it's actually tricky because it really paints Iran in a bad uh, way. It's Iran, right? Yeah. Uh, 
for me because it, it, it we see these people that are like mm-hmm. doing a lot of things for God and stuff like towing certain lines for God in a way that sent chills down my spine like hordes of here's something uncomfortable we're good friends hordes of brown people burning effigies and signs that I can't read yeah that makes my gun dick hard that makes me listen a rational loving person that makes me go like I should build a bomb shelter and we should attack people like yeah. we're, that that just goes into like my gorilla brain that my gorilla hair on the back of my neck stands up and I'm like oh we should be silverbacks and present our dicks because yeah. I'm afraid I have such a tough relationship like I get so angry about you know it's my people I still consider these people my people sure. and to see like that girl the 14 year old girl Malala who was shot it like makes me so it like gets me it makes me angry and sad in such like a weird unrelatable kind of way like I have such this visceral reaction to it where I I don't know what to do it makes me helpless but these are I mean these are my people and the things that are happening now more than ever are like worse than ever like horrible shit is happening in the name of Islam which is supposed to be this beautiful and wonderful and peaceful religion Uh, it really I don't know how to deal with it it like gets me angry most days and I don't know how to fucking deal with it like Pakistan is like doing so bad right now and that's you know when I moved here I haven't visited back yet and it makes me so I have such a I don't know who I am you know I have this like I don't know what my identity is because I I don't I don't feel American but I don't feel and I think being uh, identifying with a group is is an important like human thing and I don't feel like I'm part of anything and I definitely but like that Islam stuff really gets me except comedy right I mean yeah sure that's sure that's the first group for me too (laughs) sure I think I think not to say I mean you know most Muslims are very peace-loving, wonderful, wonderful people. I'm not saying that, but there's a very vocal minority that is uh, pretty fucking vocal, you know? I'll tell you this. In the movie Argo, and again, it's not a spoiler, they show the American response. And if you want to if you want to throw those are my people around, those are my people. Yeah. And I'm watching knuckleheads represent the pettiest and most fear-filled responses to what was happening. Like children being like, you should just bomb the whole place. But what, what was how many fucking when we were starting in two thousand one? Oh. How many closers oh. were there where it was like just turn it into a parking lot? Oh. Huge applause breaks. Like, oh. pu- I, and that's why I still fucking hate Carlos Menciac and huh. and Nick DiPaolo. They said the most like hateful shit around then, and Carlos Menciac is still saying it. I don't know Nick, and I don't know a lot of people like him, but during those days, the shit he was saying was so straight up racist and hateful yeah. and harmful yeah. that. I don't care what he's done since then. I just know that that's in him and it's a bad thing. And I mean, it's all perspective. Like, you know, I I was a little just to give you. Do you know who Ayatollah Khomeini is? Do you remember that? Or in the 80s, he was like public enemy number one in America. He was the religious and government head of Iran. And to us, he was like our sort of. Not prophet, but he was our big religious guy. And here he was a bad guy. He was a terrorist. He was like Osama kind of. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was this big, like, bloody revolution in Iran. And he took over, killed a lot of people. But I remember, like, thinking of him as, like, this big, like, good r- religious guy. And I used to love Mad Magazine. And I got, <laughs> I love Mad Magazine. The Ghostbusters 2 parody from Mad Magazine, the main bad guy, Vigo. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's, like, the evil guy in the painting. Yeah. They changed it to Ayatollah Khomeini. <laughs> 
and I remember seeing it and being like, "What the fuck is I going on?" I Ayatollah. I just didn't know. Yeah, yeah. Ayatollah. I, yeah, that's what they call them. The Ayatollah, big beard, but that doesn't narrow. But it he's down. in Argo. Like I, I, I totally should yeah. have gotten that. But like I remember looking at this Mad come. Magazine and being like, "Wait, not everybody sees him like this." And yeah. the, this one thing that I love so much is saying awful stuff about this other thing that I love so much. And that's when I was like, oh, well, the world is a really complicated place. There's a lot going on. Yeah. And there are many different perspectives to, to consider. And you just realize that, you know, his love was infringing on other people's love. Yeah, that's funny. Like Billy Bob and, and the fucking girl. Yeah. Yeah. Tricky stuff. I just got my first, uh, I don't know why this came to mind. I did a show in St. Louis. And, you know, you and I have both started at the same time. And we've, we've both walked similar paths. We, we started pretty observational and light. Uh, yeah. And and it was for me. It was I. If I look at it, Emily going into that coma is what like it like changed my. Oh, well, that was my divorce. Yeah, that's exactly it's the same a big thing. thing. You know, sometimes you need a big thing to like see everything. Uh, I would look at the timeline of any successful person. That's why the most talented people, uh, Eddie Murphy, um, fucking I, I can't remember what happened, but his father like got murdered, and then his stepfather, something like a lot of death and sadness and. Richard Pryor, of course, growing up in a whorehouse and all that sort of stuff. So we're not as talented as them, but we don't have as much tragedy as them. But after that happened, so now I'm doing this stuff, and I did the show in St. Louis, and it was all weirdos, 100% weirdos. So I felt as free to talk as we are right we now. We do whatever, yeah. Here's the truth, though. If you played this podcast, this podcast, the one we're doing right now, in uh, a big group of just like uh, lots of different types of people, some people would walk out. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. I said I love rape. Uh, I, I talk about being uh, brown and effigies and all this sort of stuff, like weird parts. I got my first walkout. It was three people. To, like It looked like the parents and one and their daughter, and they left. And they left about 45 minutes in or whatever. So it's arguable. You could say they just had to go. But I watched them leave, and I was doing a bit about an island scenario where I was like, how long before you fuck Ryan Gosling if it's just you and him on an island? Yeah. Me being like, I'm not gay, but... How long? Yeah. How long before this is nature line, takes its course? There's a line I said that I'm trying to work into a bit. Like, about, like, I'm not gay, but if you see a unicorn, you want to ride it, you know? Ah, that's very funny. <laughs> that's like one step down from my weird having sex with Gosling bit. But I'm doing it. And as, they, as these people left, and if they did leave out of offense, I was kind of like, I compl- this is a weird feeling. I completely agree. Yeah. I would have left. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's weird to look at yourself and be like, I also would have been offended by what I'm saying right now. And, it's, and what I'm saying, like Chelsea thinks it's so funny. She breaks my balls all the time because I'm like, oh, my act, this new hour that I'm taping, I'm like, there are parts that are like offensive. She's like, you think that's offensive? Like, she, you know, we're talking, speaking of Nick DiPaolo and Jim Norton and, and Patrice and all these people, that's some real iconoclastic ground pushing, envelope pushing stuff, groundbreaking. Uh, and I'm, I'm gonna- up there. Being like, if I was on an island with Ryan Gosling, would start cuddling. Uh, but it was it was a hard thing to do. I don't know what you said that made me think that, but yeah, but I understand. I mean, that's how you know. Not everything is for everyone, and that's fine. How do you feel about your hour? I've had I I feel really good about it, but I do have some anxiety. Never before have I been like aware that it's going to be reviewed. Yeah, I know. Now that I've done a bunch of stuff and then it gets reviewed, I'm like, oh, they review that stuff. Now I'm doing it almost in the awareness that it will be reviewed. It's weird because we do podcasts and they get reviewed and you're like, oh, that was just a thing I said and they reacted to that. But this is like you're preparing for it to be reviewed. I feel, I definitely feel like I want to be done with it. I would say it's, I've never released an album or anything. 
10 years I've been doing this. 10 years I've been doing this. <laughs> so there are certainly things that are in there that I feel like should be in there that are maybe not bits that I would have written today. Cheese? Uh, that's not a bit that I would write today, maybe. But that's a really funny bit that I stand behind. But it's not the most personal bit. But then I have some stories that I really, really like, that I'm really, really proud of. And I'm also proud of cheese. So it's like, it's all stuff within the last, like, I would say, since I moved to New York, so like three years. It's all stuff from the last three years. Nothing before that. But um, I definitely feel like there are certain things that I want to, like, Put on a thing and then not do them again. Like yeah. cheese is one of them, uh, yeah. and I think it's a funny bit. But there, I don't feel like I'm so much in it, you know. But there, then there are stories. It's hard are, to hit the notes. Yeah, yeah. You don't feel the song anymore. Yeah, uh, it's going to be good to get it out of the way. Well, I mean, it really, that's the hard thing. Is like you pour your sweat and blood into this thing, and then it's like, okay, one night, two shows, and then it's. On a Tuesday, and you're a Wednesday. Yeah, and that's it. Hope it's good. Hope it's good. You know, it's going to be great. You know what I'm looking forward to? I haven't smoked weed in a very long time. I'd love to smoke weed with you after we do it. I haven't, honestly. Yeah, because I try. Because there's stay no sharp. time. Yeah. You got to stay sharp. Yeah, you can't afford to like phone in any day. I haven't smoked weed in a very like years, but when you and I have smoked weed, it's been very very fun. Yeah. Remember when we ate? This was in New York, in my sad New York apartment. We ate raspberries. Remember, I had raspberries in my fridge. Uh huh. And, and we ate them, and we were like, "Remember? Can you imagine the, f- the first guy who like ate a raspberry? We're like, you guys." And we did a dance. Yeah, we they have a the- dance. Like <laughs> he becomes the chief of the village. Like, oh yeah, like fucking eat this thing. You usurp that that chief immediately. <laughs> yeah. you, you go like, what are what are his politics? Look at these raspberries. Super fun. Let's go to the let's go to the paper. Brush picks, we love them. Love them. Doctor's brush picks. picks. Yeah. I can't. I, I, they're in my back pocket right now. It's not even a cool toothpick. But uh, as it says on the box, more effective than flossing. One time I was at my favorite restaurant in New York, Fatty Crab. And I oh, was yeah. We've gone t- to that place. We've it's like to- street food from Vietnam. Vietnam. I believe. And we're sitting next to this table of dentists. And I showed them the. I was like, is this good? Because I was like, kind of fucks your gums up. But I was like, is it okay? And they were like, anything that's getting food off your teeth is good. Yeah. So, doctor's brush picks. Send us a case here at Meltdown on Sunset Boulevard. Fuck yourself if you don't. They're, they're wonderful. You guys need you know, all. Yeah, I you mean, know what? I forgive you if you don't. Well, <laughs> honestly, how. They're not flying off the shelves. There's 301 pack that probably costs $3. Yep. Not many people know about it. Nope. How many have you sold? Total. Like a thousand in your whole life? It's doctors? like Radio Shack. How do they stay in business selling a 60 cent connector thing? Yeah, exactly. Eternal Sunshine Breakup. We kind of covered that. Yeah. Special. We knocked out. You're, get your cholesterol checked. You got to get your prostate checked. I gotta get all of that. That's such like a it's it's so, the speaking of the body soul duality whatever. That's such like a reminder of like or you're just an animal and something you do wrong well, that's might I, kill you. Yep, that's what I was gonna tell you. Right after my divorce, I took a shower and I had just visited TJ on the set of She's Just Not That Into You, and I came home and I was really really stressed out and I didn't know what. Wait, was- what? No, no, no. You're, you're talking about uh, she's out of your league. She's just not that into you. Is the other one. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So I put my hands in my hair, and I looked at my hands, and there was like 30 hairs in was my hand. Was it stress? It was probably stress. That doesn't happen anymore, but I was immediately like, oh, I'm decaying. Yeah. Fucking terrible feeling. It is a terrible feeling. And just the idea that you've got all these wonderful ideas and favorite ice cream flavors, and then a piano can fall on your head, and it all goes away. We got it. Well, let's save that for... Uh, that's, we yeah. are going to talk about religion again. 
Ooh, this is the theory I wanted to send, uh, give to you, and yeah. I want to give to the listeners. Whenever I have something difficult, like there have been a couple times where I've had to like break up with somebody or make a, a difficult decision that was ambiguous. Mm-hmm. The thing that I've learned is that you just tell yourself that it's a good episode. Think of your life like a TV show and go, this is a good episode. I don't know how it's going to go. Something you were saying at the beginning of this show made me want to share that good episode technique with you. There, there, there was a girl that I uh, mm. like was kind of seeing, mm. and I was like, I think we should stop seeing each other because it wasn't feeling right. And I was like, fuck. And then I was like, or good episode. Well, but the- <laughs> <laughs> Katie laughed. The but, coveted Katie laugh. <laughs> good episode, man. Put on a post and put it above your fucking bed. But that's a danger also. You don't want to just do things that would make good episodes, but there are... I mean, You have to do them anyway. Why not think of them that way? Yeah. You, well, what you do is, I mean, a big part of what you do is like you narrativize your life, you know, like 100 things happen, but it would make a terrible movie if all 100 things happen. So the movie of your life is the stories that you choose, like Emily going into the coma. I've sort of narrativized that. That changed my life afterwards. Right. While it was happening, it all felt shitty and messy and a hundred things and chaotic. And now you're like, it's a good movie. Now you sort of, yeah. You look at the structure and you put it at cause and effect. You're that's looking what, at the leukemia scare as a low point of act two. That's a low point of act two. That's exactly right. And that's sort of what takes the power away from it too. But that's how everyone looks at their life. Everyone looks at their life as cause and effect. When in reality, that's not how French it fries. seems. Yeah, French fries. That's not how it seems when you're going through it. But that's what you do. And that's what... Uh, sometimes when you're doing things like you're saying the TV thing you realize like oh it's a good episode because you're doing the right thing you're standing up for yourself you're doing something more than just you're, you're engaging you know and, and so much of your life is like you're not engaging that when you like make a decision and do something yeah. that feels like you fucking did something yeah you know? well that goes back that's that draperism of like I'm, I'm gonna be upset if we don't hook up tonight that directness yeah. brings you into the moment yeah there have also been moments oh where, yeah you risks that's what risk is but like ri- risk in the, in the face of being able to see both sides there was a girl that I stopped seeing I was seeing her and I, I felt like it was disproportionate I was like I feel like this girl is getting involved and I really do care for her I still do but like I was like I don't think this is right I don't think I'm in this and I had to tell her I was like, uh, I feel like you're getting more attached than I am. And I think we should stop seeing each other. And she was like, but you don't know how I feel. And I was like, you're absolutely right. But this is what I've decided. Yeah. That's this what is, you have to say. This is the story in my head. You have to go like, look, I've waited out just like you've waited out. We've both pretended. We've both written the script and this narrative. And this is the one that I'm thinking is most likely is going to play out. You getting hurt. You being sad, yeah. you crying. Let's end this before you're crying. Let's end this before you're sad and just be done with it. Draper style. I mean, that's a lot of like when you're like being like purely rational, that's what you do. I always think of the analogy of like, it was a big thing. When, what is it called? Big Blue or Deep Blue that beat the, the, the chess machine that beat Kasparov, who was the grandmaster. Uh-huh. Uh, and it, uh, it was like Kasparov, uh, and it was this huge like victory for machines. But the only way it beat it is like it looks at like if I do this, these are the things it could do. He could do. Then if I if he does these things, these are the things I could do. And it's just a very complicated tree, you know. Yeah. So it's not really thinking; it's just computing. And I think when you're at your most purely rational, that's what you're doing. You're like, if I do this, then this could happen. And if this, but then sometimes you just fucking do things from your head and you're mean to somebody you love. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there comes a time when you go, I don't know what the tree predicts. Yeah. And I have to be a man or be a woman. I'm not saying man is better. I'm just saying you have to be yourself and go, I'm 
prepared to deal with the consequence of me going, whoops. Yeah. And you'll never hear about it. I'll never tell you about it. Yeah. But whoops. But there's also that thing of like, well, I'll never know unless I do it, you know. Buddy, you're talking to a guy who is so in favor of love, forfeiting it or throwing it away is so incredibly painful for me. <laughs> if I'm with somebody and I'll, I'll be like, I'm pretty sure this is completely wrong. But you're getting the attention. Somebody's looking at you. Yeah, but sometimes that's not even the case. That's usually been the case. But like even, like, I just, I want them to feel loved and I want to feel loved so badly. Every time I start a new relationship, all the old relationships, all the ghosts of girlfriends past, I'm yeah. Matthew McConaughey, they all show up and I go, that can't happen again. Yeah. I can't have it fail again. It's too painful. But that's the thing is like you're looking at it as a failure or a success when really it Fucking should be a. the thing that you're doing and do it until it's good and then stop when it's not. And hope uh, maybe you'll feel, find somebody where it's just good all the time and it's just good. How long have you been the Dalai Lama? <laughs> well, when I was a kid, they uh, recruited me like in a <laughs> basketball program. And, <laughs> I'm just picturing Dolly Parton on a llama. That's what I'm <laughs> Good episode. Good highbrow, lowbrow. Hmm. Check your prostate. Commune? Commune. Commune. Um, booze to be mean. Fame to be mean. Career thing you already told me. Let's end. We've, we've talked enough about religion. The episode can be done. This is all bonus. But I, I have this idea that you, me, and Duncan Trussell would do a movie called The Astral Project. And we still might. That's a good title. Hey, Gil. What's up, man? That's Kills a good title. Son, the Astral Project. Yeah. Because there exists a thing called astral projection. Well, does it? Fucking perfect. <laughs> Your it doesn't exist. Yeah. I'm it might exist. Duncan is it definitely it does exists. Exist. And we're three funny people. So well, if somebody if somebody's listening and they would like to make a documentary, we're available and we're ready to go. I'm sure you've talked about astral projection on the show, right? A bunch. So that's what it would be. The three of us, a complete skeptic, me. Yep. Uh, somebody who... Is, I'm definitely in the... I'm in between. You're in between. There are days, Kumail, that I feel just like you. And there are days that I feel just like Duncan. Well, it's hard for me because what happens is, you know, I'm arrogant. You always think of the way you look at the world as being the right way. And you think you're smart. And like... For me, people who go to psychics, I'm like, that makes no sense to me. But then I hear very smart people who I respect go to psychics. Like, yeah. Duncan, I think, is super, super smart. And I really like him. I love hanging out with him. He's a fucking great guy, good friend. But then he believes in astral projection, and I'm like, well, that doesn't really make sense to me, because I think you'd have to be... But I genuinely think you'd have to be a crazy person to believe it. But the beautiful thing is you're not dating Duncan, so you can just have a lunatic friend. Yeah, he's my lunatic friend, but he's also We have awesome. scumbag friends, we have lunatic friends. And I'm not saying uh, Nate is really a scumbag or Duncan's really a lunatic, but for those of you who don't know, uh, maybe this is your first episode, which would be ironic, because you were the first guest. But astral projection is the belief that your soul can leave your body... And go on a journey. You can go to China and fucking fly around and see shit and come back. And this is a tale as old as time. The Salem witches back in 1692, they were astral projecting. That's what they were doing. Uh, everybody – So, but there are people today in 2012 that say they do this. There's the what rock. do you mean they were astral projecting? Witches? Yeah, what do you mean? Uh, you know the belief that they were like flying on broomsticks and stuff? That was them having like, can't astral projection just be like, what do you call it, lucid dreaming or whatever? It's interesting that you say that. A lot of the books I've read are like, lucid dreams are, are like the brother of astral projection. And in fact, if you're having a lucid dream, you're like this close to projecting, leaving your body. 
And the main thing, this is all. This will all be in the movie. The main thing you have to get over is a fear. People are afraid that if you leave your body, you die. If you leave your body, something else can come in your body. Well, I mean, there's a me, book. There's. I have a lot of books. They're like thirty days to astral project. The idea of the documentary <laughs> is that you, me, and Duncan, for real, though, <laughs> fuck you, like Kumail. For real, fuck everything that you're bringing into this. You do everything the book says. I'll do everything, but I don't know if I can turn parts of my brain off, which would be what the movie would be. But it's to me the because f- I me- believe you would do it and we wouldn't. Uh, yeah, that would be the ultimate. Like that would be great, you guys. Uh, China Just is like really I, warm today. When I smoked salvia and it worked for me, and it didn't work for you. Yeah, it did not work for me. I really wanted it to. It worked really well for me, and but, I didn't want it. To I work. mean, for me, we were just talking about how, like, you know, the brain, uh, the chemicals, whatever. To me, I think the brain really is the soul. Uh, I think it's all based in physics and uh, not, not physics, but physiology and anatomy and biology. And that doesn't mean it's any less beautiful to me. That's still very beautiful. But if you're leaving your body, I think there's nothing but your body. Yeah. I hear that. You should read Journeys Out of the Body by Robert Monroe. Maybe. I mean, I really want my mind changed, but I I also don't. Yeah, Mulder. I want to believe too. I'm with you. But I read a book about a guy. uh, Look. There's two possibilities. You read a book by Robert Monroe, and he's the guy who started all this astral projection stuff called Journeys Out of the Body. Either Occam's Razor, he's lying to sell books. Okay. I understand money. Money leads to sex. Money leads to food. I get food and money. Yeah, it's the master, yeah. Or he really is fucking projecting and that's happening but to me my reality does not allow for that to happen i understand i'll that, try that's why things. when i was reading those books me you and emily went for frozen yogurt and i said <laughs> that's right i said kumail i'm gonna i'm gonna astral project and i'm gonna go to your house and i'm gonna do something yeah. because i'm gonna save your soul well, it's funny a few days later like a, a dvd from the tv fell down and i was like it was hey, your bioshock yeah, I was like, hey, Pete, did, yeah my bioshock, your action, bioshock figure. action figure fell off the table for no reason and emily in all earnestness Asked if that was me. Oh, uh, but you know, in a fun earnestness, in a not, fun, not way. like a doofus earnestness. Yeah, in a fun like, was that you? Uh, and I, my answer was like, I don't remember doing it. But a lot of the challenge of like, of believe me, I know how this smells of bullshit. Astral projection. The trick is remembering it. It's not doing it. It's remembering it. <laughs> yeah. This guy would say, "You do it. You Kumail do it every night." I mean, uh, he, he, I mean, I can understand that the brain tricks you into doing things. I think it's impossible. I think it's impossible to like go to China and really see like, oh, there's a red chair there, and then you go later and you actually see the red chair. That's that's what the book Journeys Out of the Body and Far Journeys and all his other books are about. Him being like, I visited my friend Robert. Why did I pick his name? I visited my friend Kevin. Yeah, sure. And he was holding something that looked like an engine, and his wife was dealing what looked like huge playing cards. Turns out, he asked them what they were doing at that time, and she was setting a table with uh, paper plates, which would look like huge playing cards, and he was fixing a lawnmower, which looked like an engine. So it was like all like time after time after time after time was like very very similar. But how are you astral projecting so that you can you can't tell that it's paper plates and not giant? playing card? Great question. This is the point of the Astral Project, the movie that is yet to yeah. find a director or the money. If you'd like to do this, we could free our schedule. I mean, this is why I think psychics, like to me, psychics, for me, I get really angry because I really think they're scam artists. But that's why you need someone with your brain and my brain and Duncan's brain. No, I'll totally do it. I know you will. And it I sounds will awesome. Too. But like, the thing is, is he's like, I was flying over Manhattan. When I'm dreaming and I see Manhattan, I will stop and go like, well, 
it's obviously a dream because I don't know what the Lower East Side looks like enough. So uh, like in a video game, you'd be like, I'm using the same building too sure. many times. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if you're really, like as I yeah. have this month, flying over New York City. It's a glitch in the Matrix, yeah. You're seeing it and you're like, holy shit, I could never imagine that. So I want someone, a comedian, whose mind is objective and self-doubting and critical to look at Manhattan. If I came to you and I was like, I saw Manhattan, not my idea of Manhattan – I saw the billboards. It wasn't I like the, the blank books in Eternal Sunshine. Exactly. Everything was filled in. Every, and this is what people that Astral Project say they do. They say your sight is better, your sense of smell is better, your sense of hearing is better. And I was like, if that's fucking true, sign me up. Even if it is just a hypnosis hallucination, I'd like to do that. I think... Uh, and I'm also terrified. Yeah. No, I'll do it. But like I'm saying, I, I think it's a f- wonderful idea. And I think it would be really, really cool uh, a documentary to make. But I'm so... My world doesn't allow for that. This is another thing. I don't know why I thought of it. I think your brain can trick you into doing things. And I think that's valid. And I think like doing hallucinogenics and stuff is good. But there was this guy, same book, in the 60s or 70s, he thought... Uh, psychopaths. He, saw, he thought he could cure psychopaths. Putting them all in a room and just be like, just be a psychopath. He would give them LSD and be like, just be a psychopath. It's just like certain things your brains need to work out. And then you work it out and then you're fine. And what would happen was later when they came out and were cured, they just became more of a psychopath. Really? They just became more of a psychopath because I don't think our brains work in these sort of simple, not to say not to play down this word, but like new agey kind of ways. I don't. Yeah. Th- I think it's a very complicated thing. And we'd I think like we, them to. I think we'd like them to, and I think that's what it is. I, I was hoping astro- that story ended with and no. they stopped being psychic. I think astral projection and everything to me is people trying to put structure on things and make sense of things that don't make sense. Well, you know? it's something, uh, it's a bit of yours that I quote all the time in my own brain and to friends. Either... Everything we know to be true isn't true, yeah. and astral projection is possible, or it's a lie. Or Duncan Trussell is just kind of kooky. Or Duncan Trussell and me and a, a whole lot of people are guilty of grandfather dreams. Yeah, it's grandfather so, dreams. It's so terrifying to grandfather me dreams. That, I like that. that I don't have a soul, that my brain will go, here, here's a vivid hallucination, which we're both aware that your brain can do. Yeah. You and I have taken mushrooms together. We're aware of that. Are you okay with me saying that? Well, I, I was going to finish your thought. Finish your thought. That they make a grandfather dream. I they don't. Go, Here's you leaving your body. See, you're not just a body. I'm not just fucking meat. Am I just a meat fucking well, spaceship? I think there is such beauty in that too. I, I don't think it's downplaying it to say if, you, if I say that I don't think human body has like a soul that's separate from it. I don't think that's anything less beautiful. I think the brain is so beautiful and the chemistry in it and all the things that have happened to you and make you who you are and the way you react to things. There's nobody else like you. In the history of the world, there is nobody else like you. And you with your like very specific personality trying to engage in the world full of other very specific personalities love i think that's a very very beautiful thing and i think to me it's more beautiful than the idea of this soul that's separate from you you know i think it's magical i think science is magic yeah i think the way like like you know like uh, people who are afraid of spiders because something happened to them i think that's beautiful you know i'm you know no surprise here i'm right there with you i'm not I'm never on the show trying to convert people to be like, believe in something spiritual. When you say that, I'm there. I, I like to say, I believe in everything. And yeah. What you just said, I believe in that. I'm dead. It's over. Fine. 
That's great. But you know, I mean, that's how, like, that's what you know. What we're trying to do: art is affect the world in a positive way or in some sort of meaningful way, so that when I'm dying, I'm like, oh, you know what? There are certain things I did. I affected the world in a positive way, and now I'm gone, and my body's gone forever. But the things I've done will hopefully live on in some tiny way. You know, for some people, it's big. Shakespeare, Michelangelo, it's big, and for some people, it's it's small. You know, and I, uh, that's what. Yeah, but I mean, like, you've changed my life, and then I change other lives. And like I said, sure. I quote you all the time. I quote your bits. I quote your thoughts. I, I, I use your ideas all the time in conversations and stuff. And, and likewise, I, I'd imagine, and I use Emily's thoughts all the time. So that's affecting a great number of people. Now, on a people, somebody recently gave me shit for saying on a long enough timeline, and I agree. It's kind of an overused phrase. But on a long enough timeline, all these people will be dead. That's fine. Yeah. There's a surrender to that and being like, yeah, on a long enough timeline, we all, we all will be dead. Everybody yeah. that knows a joke of mine today will be dead mm-hmm. at one point. Mm-hmm. Everybody who's ever known my name will be dead. And I am okay with that. There's a beautiful tragedy to that. And we can fight against that and be like, no, uh, the master. I've, I am a soul that happens to be in this body even in that movie, a pretend movie, I'm like, you're goddamn right. <laughs> yeah, I am just visiting in this body. I'm not a human being having a spiritual experience. I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. Great. Sign me up for that. I mean, that's a good way of looking at it. And I think the way of having a spiritual being have a, a human experience, I think that that makes sense with my the way I look at the world. Too. What do you mean by that? I, I it, wouldn't think that would be something you'd agree with. It means that the, the who you are as a personality, whatever, uh, the things you want to do versus your animal nature, that you know, eating every day or drinking every day. I, uh, I, I think that... I don't believe in reincarnation or whatever that that movie was talking about, that you've lived many lifetimes, but I think... Every day is your human experience, which is, you know, I have toothpicks. So the shit doesn't get stuck in my teeth. Yeah. But that's not who I am. I'm not a guy who uses toothpicks. What I am is a guy who writes or does whatever, however you want to define yourself. And I think that's what I'd like to think of my spirit versus all the things I do every day as just being I'm in this human body doing what the spirit wants to do, even though the spirit to me is still situated in the body. You mm. know? Mm-hmm. Yikes. <laughs> While you were talking, I was just like, there's no, I, I just, I'm sorry. I love you and Emily so, so much. That's true. <laughs> Why are you apologizing? I don't know. Because it's, <laughs> because it's sappy. <laughs> it's not sappy. There have been a lot of people that I love. There are people that you're supposed to love and there are people that you elect to love. Yeah. And I think the people that you elect to love, it might, it might be even more meaningful. That's I, your new family, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the the cliche of the family you choose. Yeah, I love my mother and my father. Fucking a, they fed me while I was defenseless. Yeah, but I love you, man. I mean, oh, I love you, Pete. Thank oh, you. Oh God. Is I it, mean, I. Is it because I gave you those two <laughs> No, I don't fucking care. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. We can we can be vulnerable on the show. Of course, of course. It's weird to think that babies are cute, so that moms are like attracted to them. Oh, know? and they smell a certain way, so we won't eat them. Isn't it weird? You're right, man. Science is magic. It's yeah, all science there. is magic. It's all there. Yeah. A baby smells a certain way, so a fucking knucklehead mother yeah. won't, a knuckle-dragging mother yeah. won't eat the baby. Yeah. Because that mom's pretty hungry because there's no KFC back in the caveman days. Yeah. 
Jesus fucking Christ. It's amazing. I mean, uh, but that's what, to me, science is magic. And, you know, like we find out something new. Not every day. Middle just said that. What did he say? Middle just made a really good point about how science is religion and science is magic. Well, sure. I mean, back in the day, there was no difference between like, philosophy, religion, and science were all considered the same thing. It was all trying to make sense of the world, you know, and now that there's a way of looking at the world that maybe some people might say, like, religion does not make as much obvious sense. But science is one that some might say does make obvious sense. So now right. they're like two different things. Philosophy, religion, science have changed, but they were all the same thing. It's the books of Harvard. If you look at the crest of Harvard, there were three books. I don't remember what they all stood for, but one of them was religion, and it was closed. And the other, let's say, was science, and the other was philosophy. They were open. And then the religion book was closed. But now if you look at the crest of Harvard, the religion one is open. Yeah. And they're like, we get all of them. <clears throat> which yeah. is great. Uh, I agree. You do get all of them. I mean, it used to be, maybe we've talked about this before, it would be like... A hurricane is coming. That means God doesn't like so sacrifice a goat and it'll be okay. And now yeah. it's like, oh, a hurricane is coming because it's cold front and it's warm front, yeah. Matt, whatever. Get so, in the basement. I mean, that's what the grand experiment of humanity is, understanding and putting a structure to things, you know, and that's what religion tried to do and that's what science is trying to do now and that's what philosophy tries to do and that's what everything we do is trying to make sense and put structure, you know. I firmly believe that the next step in our evolution as people is to merge science and s- for lack of a better term, not religion, but spirituality. Whatever it is that when we're talking about the things that we can think but can't put into words, let's call that spirituality, some sort of instinct, some sort of idea, and then merging that with the concrete nature of science. I feel like that's the next step. Yeah. And I'm a, I, I anticipate it. I'm not threatened by it. But I don't know. I mean, what do you mean the things we can't? I'm like, say the things that we can't say. No, That's I know. Like well, I'm stealing that from uh, Joseph Campbell, the power of myth guy. He was like, you can feel something and then you can think something and then you can articulate it. And by that point, you're triple distilled. You're watered down. And it's like gone. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. Like articulating the, the movie I'm writing about Emily in, in the coma it's going to be a very, very pale imitation of the real thing. Of course. But if it's successful, there'll be like a nugget of truth in it, you know, that people relate to, but it'll also not be... That's that all you can hope for is a kernel of truth. That's all you can hope That's for. That's what people say about good projects. They go, there's a kernel of truth at it. When you started, when you were first writing this movie, Knocked Out, uh, it was all true. And by the time it gets delivered to the masses, it'll be fake. But... If it ever gets delivered to the masses. And here's hoping. But... I'm here to say I'm glad that we have something like this that we can be like, this was real. This had this had this podcast included the mistakes. Yeah, there were things we shouldn't have said in this. <laughs> yeah, certainly. and we won't and we won't take them out. Yeah, certainly, certainly. I mean, that's what you know. I I wrote the first gra- draft of this movie as like, this is what Chad said. He was like, just write it. Don't think anybody's going to read it. Just write it the way you see it, the way you remember it. Write everything. Just write everything. So I wrote this, and it's way long and super long, but the fact that while I was writing it, I would sometimes tear up and I had to walk away means that there... It just felt like I was doing something, and I don't know if it would be good to anybody else reading it while I was writing it. Yeah. I got this feeling that I was... I got this feeling that I was communicating something. Now, I don't know if I really was, but it certainly felt like I was. I bet... If that's how you felt, I bet that's true. Yeah, I hope so. We'll see. It's great, man. I feel like we did it. You were the first episode, <laughs> and now you're the 90-something episode. Is it 90-something? Oh, you released like more than one a week. 
Huge. Yeah, we do two a week. What is it? This is going to come out tomorrow because 93. Oh, that's great. Because we're trying to plug your special. And our special. Both our specials. Both our specials. Yeah. I'm on October 23rd and you're on October 24th. October 24th, yeah. These are both in Austin. They're free. They're free. The you bl- can be part of our... You can be on TV. Yeah. You're going to be part of the album, the special. You can hear yourself. It's, it's awesome. It's a huge deal. The difference between performing for strangers and performing for people who might have heard a show like this uh, is insurmountable it's it's completely different yeah and the people that we want to be as performers are the people that are allowed by that sort of audience so come out that's a weird and earnest uh request for people to come out but it's the blacklist nyc.com slash kumail n just kumail oh it's just slash kumail yeah they're not worried about other kumails nope i'm the only one getting a comedy center special this year you know there is another kumail who's a comedian is that true yeah Really? Yeah, he's in like North Carolina or something. That doesn't add he, up. He like Facebooked me once. He was like, hey, you're also a comedian named Kamel. And I was like, hey, yep. Did you reply? <laughs> yeah, I just said, hey. <laughs> I mean, it's weird. It was like when I was a kid, my name was super rare. But then at some point, not that it's common, but it has become more common. Kumail, like email. I feel like there's a group of like seven Kumails that have internet presence and we're all sort of aware of each other. It's a good way to end. When I was in... When I was at the Lincoln Lodge, I did my Hannibal impression. Uh-huh. This is, the Lincoln Lodge is a room in Chicago that we both performed at. That was like the best room. It was never good when I was there. Well, you never liked it. I never liked it. But well, it was like the like considered the of course. toughest one to do. And when I went back, uh, it was great. But when I was there in Chicago, I always was there on like an off night. And when I was, when I was there just this past like a month ago or a couple weeks ago, I did a Hannibal impression that killed and then, and I say that more as a credit to Hannibal than yeah. to me. And then I did a bit of yours that you probably have, haven't done since Chicago, where I say, I've always wanted a unit of measurement named uh-huh. after me, like uh, Newton or Mr. Kilometer. Mr. Kilometer. He never came to America, though. That was the weird tag in the middle of that. Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. Delivered exactly the same way every single time. He never came to America, though. In t- yeah, no matter what the reaction was, always the same pause. But I always wanted there. something badass, like, turn the torpedoes up to five kumels. Yeah. Five kumels, that's way too much power. Most people can't handle one kumel. Yeah. And then the punchline, as I pointed out at the Lincoln Lodge, is you laughing at yourself. You go, oh, I would like smug, like, yep. like, smile and be like, hey. Most people can't handle one Kumail. <laughs> and then the yeah. delight in that. I did that on stage at the Lincoln Lodge. And I did Green Lemons, my old my Did old people closer. know that bit? I think so. I'll tell you I this. Mean, that's so, uh, you know what is weird? When I go back to Chicago, I don't feel like people who come see me are people who saw me in Chicago when I was there. Nope. I think it's just like people who would see me like anywhere who are like aware. They might. Th- I think they're aware that you started in Chicago. Yes. TJ, you, me, Hannibal. Kyle. Kyle. Uh, yeah, I'm leaving people out. I mean, but it's like, crazy. These are the people that I go to. There's a part of my act where I always say it like Hannibal, where I go, uh, talking about trimming your toenails before you have sex, I'm like, <laughs> you can't look like Foghorn Leghorn. And then I go, he doesn't have sex. He's a cartoon bird. He's a cartoon bird. I do it like <laughs> Hannibal. And then the best part of that uh, of the bit is them realizing that I'm doing Hannibal. <laughs> and I and then Hannibal, someone tweeted it, and then Hannibal texted me that night. They were like, Hannibal was like, I hear you're doing me on stage or whatever. And he he, he wasn't upset or anything. And I was like, yep. Yep. It's, a, it's a weird world. The more famous you get, the better that impression will do. <laughs> so really work hard. Yeah. 
Go get him. Go get it. Go get him, Handel. All right, man. Thank you for Thank you so us. much for having me. What's today? Tuesday? This will come out tomorrow. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Go see Kumail, theblacklistnyc.com slash Kumail, and then come see me the next night. By the way, it could not be a more cumbersome email. Why is I mean, it? website. The Blacklist. The Blacklist NYC. People are like, A why? city that you're not in. Yeah. And the in front of it was Blacklist NYC taken. I find it hard to believe that Blacklist NYC was taken. <laughs> hey, Comedy Central, step it up a little the, bit. The Blacklist NYC. Every time I've plugged it. I'll plug it at the beginning of the episode, too. But uh, I'll be at Kumail's taping. He'll be at mine. And then we'll go eat, uh, you know. Frozen yogurt. Talk about astral projection. Oh, my God. If I can astral project and save your soul, I totally will. The Astral Project is looking for sponsors and a director. <laughs> Thanks so much for doing it, man. You're the, uh, well, Chelsea's done the show more than once, but you're the first guest, and you can say keep it crispy if you'd like to. You didn't say it the first time because that wasn't oh, a thing yet. Keep it crispy. That's your first keep it crispy. <laughs> it is. Free podcast. Fucking great. Thanks for being here, man. Now leaving Nerdist.com.